Oh, I, did, I haven't done a show since the event, so we probably ought to talk about the event, really. Start with All that. Right. Uh, <laughs> what did you think? I thought, it was, I thought it was a really good event. I thought it was a, a great event up until the end. Even then, you're talking about Sia? Yeah. Even then, it wasn't bad. I, I, I've oh. seen her before. I saw her on Saturday Night Live. Her music is amazing. I just have to say that the, the performance made me... <laughs> feel weird you, you know what i, I people people misunderstood uh my my comment because you said during the <laughs> during the uh the thing i uh i miss you too <laughs> and i'm i'm sitting i was sitting just just down uh in front of you and i started laughing when when i saw your comment and uh, I, she is a talented artist. There is no doubt about that. She's a talented artist. Um, I understand that a lot of people really like her, but it it kind of took the whole up of the of the keynote and and you know brought you way down. You know? It was a it was a weird note to end yeah, on because it, it's even if I I would have to think even somebody who's a big Sia fan would have to say that they weren't really like upbeat. Yeah, I mean songs. I I, I left there if I if I, I left going if, to, to go into the hands on and when Tim ended his keynote segment I thought all right you know is there is there hands on I mean there usually is is there is there and then you know I was excited I wanted to get my hands on the on the products and then. She came out and I was like, do, 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 you know, wow. If I had a knife, I'd cut my own throat right now. You know, this is so depressing, <laughs> but you know, that <laughs> I didn't think it was depressing. Although the video was sort of like took place in like squalor, right? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I had to look away before I, I was afraid I was going to go jump out in front of a bus or something. Uh, I felt overwhelmed. I don't it, know. It was a like bombarded. It, it just it. I don't know. Sometimes it seems like uh, the music side of Apple is just trying too hard, and and that that's well, kind of what it, that seemed. I mean, if they ended it with you know an upbeat artist and everything was great and cool, then uh, and you know the only people I looked around, the only people that stood and clapped um, for the performance were from Apple. Hmm. All the, all the reporters, even the ones around me, um, were sitting there with their jaws open. Like what, what was that? What just happened? Uh, I, you know, I don't expect Apple to pick music from my iTunes library right. every, every time. Um, Once in a while would be nice though. Well, the Foo Fighters was my favorite uh, of all yeah. time. That was amazing. that was incredible. I, I love the Foo Fighters. I don't even like going to concerts. I really don't. My wife does. I don't. I find I, I don't know. It's too loud. But if 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 you reach a certain threshold, though, then I will go and I love it. I've been to see. I've seen the Foo Fighters many many times. And they, not only do I love their their recorded studio music, Foo Fighters. I don't know if you've ever seen them live. They are a fantastic live. Act. Have, well, you, I know you saw them live at the yeah, Apple event. I saw them at the Apple event, and they were fantastic there. And you yeah. left feeling really good. I mean, you left yeah. that event feeling good. But you know, for for years, Apple is not new to having musical acts on. Um, uh, the, their their events. That's that's nothing new. But it was always here are our great products. Uh, 
and yeah. and focus on the products. The focus was always on the products. And then at the end, oh yeah, here's you know some band from Ireland. Yeah, here's you too. And yeah. sure, it was it was a um, a big part. It was a, a an exciting thing to have a a big band here. Or here's here's the Foo Fighters, but it was never the focus. It was never the focus. The products were always yeah. the focus. Well, arguably the YouTube one, the YouTube one. I called him YouTube oh boy. <laughs> the YouTube one was arguably distracting from the products because of the whole yes. free album thing and the uh, awkward interaction between Tim Cook and and Bono regarding and and the three two one countdown. We're pulling a switch and yeah, it it, it was you know seemingly under rehearsed and ill considered and then ended up being a distraction because uh the whole everybody gets the album but instead of like clicking a button to say you know hey i want the album they just forced it into your your i you know itunes library which went over like a lead balloon um so arguably i would say that one was distracting too but here's the thing for me is is it's not like hey apple you have to pick an artist who i like personally every time because that's never going to happen because Different people have different musical tastes. But the previous ones were always just about the music, right? So here's an example of somebody who I'm not a particular fan of, but I appreciate that he's a, a super talented musician, John Mayer. Oh, yeah. Right? Now, I, he's, you know, I, I, you know, you know, you're the guitarist, but I mean, I think most people consider him one of the best guitarists in the, in the, the game yeah. today. He's super talented, good songwriter, has an interesting voice. I'm just not a fan. But when he was there, it was just John Mayer and a guitar and a mic and the music, right? Brilliant. Uh, uh, one that I really loved, I, I forget which year it was, but I think it was it was Apple Town Hall was when Elvis Costello played. Yes. And um, I know it was Town Hall because I have a vivid memory of it. I was like, holy shit, am I close to Elvis Costello? Now, I'm a big Elvis Costello fan. I'm, you know, Maybe I'm showing my age. Love the guy. But I think even if you're not an Elvis Costello fan, it's not like him being up there for two or three songs was distracting because it was literally just Elvis Costello, a guitar, and a microphone. Yeah. And it was really cool. The thing about the Sia show was that it was like this whole... Uh, production. Uh, production. You know, there's a big video screen and there's these dancers running around doing weird stuff and and, and, well, that's know, that's anyway. like WDC, uh, not this year. I don't think it was this year. Last year, maybe, uh, where they had the weekend. It was just weird, you know, lasers yep. and everything going. It was just weird, and that's what I say. You know, it's almost like um, the, whoever books these acts, whether it's Jimmy Iovine or whatever, uh, is just trying too hard. I think whoever it is, whoever they pick, ought to just be somebody who's focused on the music, yeah, and, and that fits with Apple's Apple's message that we love music. Whereas the Sia thing is way more than about the music. It's it really is like an interactive, you know, production. Yeah. I didn't find. It. I, I I think you <laughs> I think you objected to it more than me. But I, I it was a I did thing, object so. to it. I don't object to her um, uh, her right. talent. Uh, I never would expect that Apple would have somebody uh, in in my uh, iTunes music library, you know, like Ozzy or Metallica or something. I know that that's not going to happen. I can hope, uh, but I know that that's never, never going to happen. And I get that, but you know, somebody like Sia, I, I, I think a lot of us and people that I talked to afterwards, people that saw the, the thing live and on video, were just saying, what the hell was that? You know, I just, I, it didn't send a, a good message to me. Yeah. 
Uh, what do you think with the opening with Tim Cook and uh, Carpool Hilarious. Karaoke? I thought it was super funny. I, I really liked that a lot. I, you know, it shows the side of Tim that you know we don't often get to see, and I, I thought it was great that you know yeah. they have Carpool Karaoke and they put Tim in there. Um, you know, I could have done without Pharrell. I, I have uh, zero respect for Pharrell because he's a thief. Um, so I could have done without that, but, uh, Tim and James were, were awesome. You know, Siri, how, how is Tim Cook or what do you think of Tim Cook? You know, have you, have you, have you heard the backstory on Pharrell in that video? Uh, that they wanted to do a different song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell the story. I don't know where you heard it, but I, I heard it from the source that I can at least relay it here. So the idea was that they set up this carpool karaoke in advance. And one of the songs Tim, Tim Cook wanted to do was happy. Um, and Eovine calls, um, Pharrell. And I think Pharrell was sort of on the fence and uh, long story short, it was like, all right, well, what the hell, we'll do it. And I guess they did it, but then they ended up not even using it in the video. But Pharrell was still there, so they still had Pharrell in the back seat. And then it was weirdly edited because it was like he was there, but then he <laughs> It's like everybody, when they got, you know, the gimmick is the car pulls up to the back of the Bill Graham Center right. and, and, and it was ostensibly, you know, it's a it joke, joke, sort of like a Letterman joke, really. Yeah. Uh, Tim Cook gets out and he comes on stage, but <laughs> Pharrell's not in the car anymore. Where's Pharrell? Yeah. And, and I swear to God, everybody, you were there, you were near me. Everybody was like, everybody turned to each other and everybody noticed it. It was like, where's Pharrell? <laughs> yeah, it was, that, it, there were some funny things in there, but I think overall it went really well. I mean, you know, Tim, uh, uh, I wish he had to come out with the glasses on. You know, he came out and then. No, I think coming out with him in his hand was the right. It was the right level of of in the gag because I think if he, it's you don't want pictures of him wearing those glasses. No, well, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, see, I wouldn't mind pictures of wearing those glasses. So, I thought it was really good, and like you said, it really did reveal to me what seemed to be a, a genuine side of Tim Cook that you often don't get to see because he's so on message right right? like he's not that he's stiff he's not but he is calculated right and 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 like for example you i I actually saw it on uh your website uh today uh i don't know if it was you or dave who linked to it but he was on good morning america right yeah i guess you know in, in the run up to to tomorrow's you know debut of the iphones and watch and everything um and you know was it you or was it dave who who linked to it all right, and he said, you know, it's you know all fluff. It's not really anything there. But you know, what do you expect on a six-minute segment in a morning show? But it's like it is sort of. It's like you can't recommend the video as like, wow, you're really going to learn something. Like people who listen to this show aren't going to watch it. But it is interesting to watch it. I watched a couple minutes just to see how on point Tim Cook is. Right, like he's just, you know. It, unflappable in that type of thing but he's also very very he's he's ready for any question but it's not you know the 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 carpool karaoke tim was sort of hey this is me this is what i'm like you know you know when i'm just goofing around it was, it was actually sean who linked to that which it, oh, which, sean, which, right, which, sean. which explains the uh you know the kind of negative comments because he's just negative about everything so <laughs> um 
But anyway, it was a good description. It was just all fluff. and But it's still interesting to think of it in terms of this is not his primary job. You know what I mean? Like he's an op- he came up as an operations guy. I mean, clearly his primary talent is in the actual executive leadership of the right. company. The spokesperson stuff does not and never has come naturally to him in the way it did with Steve but Jobs. But he's getting right? so much better at it. Oh, without you question. Know, a, without a question. lot of being a spokesperson and a lot of Steve's ability is is not just being able to talk, but it's where the emphasis on words are, and and you know the way that you explain something, and that's huge. It's huge. Yeah. So and Steve Steve never would have done carpool karaoke. No, and it would have been funny to see that, but no. No, he wouldn't have done. Did it. you see the the other video that I posted today? Johnny Ives says aluminium. <laughs> did, did you watch that? I'll, no, oh I didn't watch God, it. Yet. You I did watch see it. it. It's the most <laughs> hilarious thing I have seen. Okay, it's great. Uh, I was I was actually I I saw it on the weekend uh, last weekend. It took me until today to um uh, to, to to post it, but. I was laughing. I was sitting outside by myself watching this, laughing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of uh, getting better at speaking on stage, Jeff Williams yes. did the Apple Watch part. And uh, I, every time he does it, I think I'm going to say the same thing, which is that it is kind of uncanny how uh, – Tim Cook like Jeff Williams is. <laughs> I like Jeff speaking about it better than um oh who's the macromedia guy? Uh Kevin yeah. Lynch. Software. Yeah. Kevin Lynch is software yeah. and and effectively Jeff Williams is hardware. I mean, obviously the design is Johnny Ives and and, and his right. team, but that Jeff Williams, in addition to his regular duties as chief operating officer, is the point person running uh the watch. I, I like I like Jeff. I mean, Jeff is also in charge of you know all the health initiatives that they're doing. Yes, you know, yes. Uh, research kid and health health, health kid. kid. And, or what's the other one? In addition to research kit, there's oh, uh, they have a few of them now. I don't know hospital yeah. kit. Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know, but I I, I like Jeff. Uh, he is he's getting much better too, and you yeah. know then of course you have. Uh, the best of them all, I think, and Schiller. Well, that's what let's do, do them in order. All right, all right. Been, you know, but with the I, I said with Renee was on my show last episode. I was going to say last week, but it was closer to two weeks ago. But Renee was on, and I was a little skeptical that Jeff Williams would do the watch introduction. And Renee said, "No, they're grooming him to do more speaking. He's going to do it." So. Being right point awarded to Renee Ritchie. It was Jeff Williams who did it. My skepticism about it wasn't that Jeff Williams is is not good on stage, but that he's a little droll, you know, or has been in the past. And I think that in particular, you know, and like that's okay when you're introducing uh, uh, a software platform for university hospital researchers to conduct large scale medical tests. It's not okay when you're trying to unveil the second generation of the second by revenue in the entire industry watch right yeah. that you got to have a certain you got to take your game up a little in terms of enthusiasm um and he did it really i i thought i thought that he was he had like a sort of upbeat enthusiasm that was exactly what was called for 
and uh, I, it was his best onstage performance. I agree. Period. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I think that that Jeff is doing much better. Tim is certainly doing a whole lot better. Um, and again, these are not professional spokespeople. These are people, you know, these are leading people in the industry at these very specific tasks that are related to their job yeah. who like once or twice a year, all of a sudden have the spotlight of a million suns on them. Uh, did you see the thing? Like, like just how, how many people watch these keynotes that Akame released a tweet yes. that said that the peak of the Apple event was the highest Akame's ever had for live video streaming. Akame did the live video streaming for the Olympics. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean more people. That doesn't mean more people watch the Apple event than watch the Olympics because the Olympics are a two week long event. But that at their peak. At their peak, yep. There were more people watching simultaneously. So in terms of the actual strain on the Akame network at any given time, that was the highest they'd ever reached. So think about that. Like I think about how nervous I get when I go to a conference with 500 people and get on stage and talk. Yeah. Like imagine if you're getting on stage, you're not a professional spokesperson or speaker and you're getting up there in front of the highest peak audience that Akame has ever handled. There is serious pressure. Keep in mind that uh, with this peak thing, they've also streamed all of Steve Jobs' stuff, you know, iPhone announcements, all everything, everything. This is ever. So that's, you know. So I think what's happened in the past, and I'm again, you know, this is us, you know, me and you who would get up there and botch the whole thing if we tried to do it. <laughs> I'm not, you know, again, this is, we're, you know, but we get, this is what we get to do. We get to be armchair critics and, and criticize. I think in the past, somebody like Jeff Williams, and I think we saw the same thing with Tim Cook in the early years, like when, when Steve Jobs was still around and Tim would come out and do like the, hey, how's the Mac doing segment? Um, that, it, it, again, he was never bad and he was always rehearsed. These are guys who do their homework, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that the pressure of the moment led them to be a little reserved and focused on not making a mistake. And I think that what you see is as they do it over and over again and they get confident is that they can lighten up a little bit. There's a, a certain looseness in the body language and in the inflection as the words come out that you, you know, you certainly see it with Tim Cook now. And Absolutely. I thought this time that Williams leveled up, you know, like he, he leveled up a grade level in terms of his onstage presence and really did, did a good job. Well, and let's be honest, the stuff that uh, that Williams has announced to date, minus this last keynote, haven't been the most exciting products, hugely important products. But not the most exciting. Yeah. So you know, talking about research kit and what hospitals can do and and diseases and all of that, wildly important stuff that Apple is doing. But it's not like a new watch or a new phone. Yeah. You know, it's hard to to show the exuberance um, for that kind of stuff. But. Yes, I I agree with you. I mean, he he still ran over everything. He uh, you know took us through, and I I, I was impressed. Yeah. Uh, so in the previous ones, Kevin Lynch was the guy who did a lot of it, and it was a little bit more of an emphasis on uh, software. And again, mm. I think it's you know it wasn't Kevin Lynch at WWDC. I think he was, and the same yeah. way that Craig Federighi was up on WWDC to talk about iOS ten. Um, yes, you know, and there is. I've written about this, you know, in, in in response to people talking about the diversity of the people who are on stage. That you know. It matters, but the, the the way it works isn't that Apple just picks 
people to who's going to do this. Well, let's find someone to talk about this. Whoever is up there talking about whatever it is they're talking about has a direct relationship with the actual service or product, right? It's not like there's a pool of spokespeople who Apple picks out of the company and this one does that and this one does that, right? Williams is doing the watch because he's directly in charge of the watch. And I, I you know, it, it, you know, there's crossover and there's certainly are multiple people who could do certain things, you know, like it's not like they couldn't have brought Federighi up again to talk about iOS 10. And they could have, like I did the first time they did watch hardware, have Kevin Lynch talk about the software because Kevin Lynch is in charge of the software. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's been a very predictable Apple year in terms of who's on stage for what with at WWDC. Uh, you know, you don't see, you know, it's the second year in a row where Schiller wasn't on stage at WWDC uh, because it was so software focused and let's let Federighi do it. And Federighi is a really good speaker. He is a really good speaker, but he has that, um, that fun side of him, you know, I mean, you know, you were talking before about, about Williams and, and Tim, when, when they first started, they were not stiff, but very conservative. Reserved, right? And reserved. Yeah. And, and, Federici is is just the opposite of that. You know, he goes right. out and it's like his hands are going and he's walking around and he's joking and you know. Well, he had an ad lib this year, right? Where there was he was going over the new photo stuff and one of the photos was like, what was it? It was like a weird group of it was like a weird group of kids and something and it just made, it was like a, just a very odd photo and he goes, "You know, that's a really odd photo." And everybody <laughs> laughed, you know. That was a total ad lib. Uh, I I like it. I, I like uh, Craig's talks because he, he does get to the point, but he brings some lightheartedness to it, too. Yeah. And, um, and he's become a superstar. I mean, you go to WDC yeah. and people are taking oh, yeah. pictures of him and, you know, it's crazy. More yeah. they, they do that more with him than with you. Oh, without and question. I've, I've been with you at WDC. You know, people are pushing me out of the way to take pictures with you. Yeah, it's like the only place where I really get that. But and I like it. I'm I, I I inflected that poorly. I do enjoy it. But it's there's a subset of it's a it's a significant subset at WWDC of people who are like daring fireball fans or or you know you see and you you do see a lot of daring fireball t-shirts, which is always a thrill for me. But it's clearly a subset. Whereas I think every single person who's there knows who Craig Federighi is. Right. I mean, because they all watch the keynote, right? I mean, that's why they're nobody gets to WWDC by accident, and you can't miss you know that I mean? hair. Right, exactly. He's also a very distinctive-looking uh, person. It's not like there's a lot of guys who look like Craig Federighi. Anyway, uh, Apple Watch. Yeah, I thought that this was – you know, I'm not surprised. I am not surprised, given the price, given how many I see around on people's wrists. I mean, certainly when you're in San Francisco, God, you see Apple Watches everywhere. Everywhere. Um, but even here at Philadelphia, which is not a particular, you know, particularly tech oriented or cutting edge town, I see an awful, ever since last Christmas, I've really started seeing an awful lot of them. But I thought it was really an eye opening thing was Tim Cook, before, right before he introduced Jeff Williams, put up a thing and said, here were the top 10 watch companies by revenue yes. uh, in 2014. And here's the list in 2015. And Apple was second on the list only to Rolex. Uh, and they and then he of course added we were only we were only on sale for eight months of the year yeah uh, and the other thing that was really interesting about that list I don't have it handy I should see if I could get a link to it but it was really really interesting to me how that list from one to ten 
um, jumped back and forth between premium, like again, Rolex was number one, and mass market. I think number two previously was Fossil, and they got they got Apple moved them down to three. So right there at one two was sort of the yin and yang of the watch market, right? Where where Rolex is, you know, you're walking, you know, just to walk out of the store with a Rolex, you're talking four, five, six thousand dollars for like stainless steel, not gold, not yeah. diamond. That's <laughs> uh, your base and, model. And then fossil, you know, I, I think you could, you know, get a nice fossil watch for for seventy or eighty dollars. Right. So you're, you know, and the whole list was sort of like that where, yes. you know, there's Omegas that are, you know, six, seven, eight thousand dollars. Uh, I forget. There were some companies that sell twenty, thirty thousand dollar watches and others that are, you know, like uh, Citizen and Seiko who are mass market seventy five to two hundred dollar watches. So I thought that was really interesting. And it's interesting to me that Apple sort of, the Apple Watch sort of straddles those, you know, those two worlds. Now, you like watches beyond Apple I do. Watch. Um, do you have expensive watches? Uh, I have one. Okay. And how, how do you use that? Like, just like you normally would? And why would you rather the analog than an Apple Watch? Uh, because I still like it, and I still think the most important the most important reason that I uh, that I wear it is just to tell the time. Yeah. And when I travel, like if I take a vacation, it's you know uh, sometimes I take the Apple. I I, I I treat the Apple Watch as one of several watches that I own, um, but I primarily just wear two. Um, uh, I don't know though. I don't know how it's gonna you know. And I I don't love Apple Watch that much um there was a there was a period when i first started wearing it where um because it was new and i was testing it and i wanted to get to know it where i wore it every day and i will say that the fitness tracking stuff does it reinforces wearing it every day because you want to keep streaks going right i mean you know this i mean you've written about this as extensively as anybody that it's literally changed your your lifestyle and your physical health yeah it has um and and the streak definitely matters. I think the more you get into that, the more you want to wear it all the time. But then once you stop wearing it all the time and the streaks aren't there, it's it's not as uh, the 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 the. It, it, you know, I don't feel compelled to wear it every day. Typically, I'll just say in rough you know rough description, I often wear my Apple Watch on weekdays while I work. And it's useful, like when I'm up and I can, you know, if I'm just getting up to go get more fizzy water or go downstairs and pour another cup of coffee and uh, a notification comes in, uh, I don't even have to have my iPhone with me. I can just look at my wrist and see what it is. Um, uh, when I do go running, it's during the day, obviously. I mean, well, I guess some people run at night, but I think in the city, it's it's a little dangerous. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I try to run a couple times a week. Uh, so I have my watch. I always wear the watch for that. So I get the fitness tracking. Um but then at night and as, on weekends, I usually wear just a, my regular watch because I don't care about notifications. Really? Yeah. See, I, I kind of like the notifications because it, it means that I can deal with stuff if I need to and leave it if I don't. You know, on the watch, it's very easy to get a notification. If I get something from, um, you know, Sean, and it says, hey, whenever you get a minute, give me a call. As opposed to if I get something from you and it says, I need to talk to you right away, 
okay, well, I can I can look at my watch and see Sean's and say, oh, I don't need to do anything. I can continue doing what I'm doing, as opposed to picking up the phone and seeing Sean's message right. and, you know, saying, oh, no, okay, I'll, I'll call later. And then, oh, here's three emails and, oh, there's something else that's going on. I might as well check Twitter while I'm here. And it's a 20-minute endeavor every time you pick up the phone, yeah. you know, whereas well, on my I'll just watch say this, it's not. You weren't a watch person before, though. Right. No, and, and no. I, I've said all along. One of the things I, I said in my watch review this week that I got a lot of things wrong in the, my first watch review, but I think conversely, Apple got a lot of things wrong in their first version of how the watch works and what they do. Um, but one of the things I stand behind, and I think I got right, right from the start, is that a big chunk of Apple Watch's appeal is aimed towards people who haven't been wearing a watch for years or maybe never wore a watch and the wrist was wide open, right? Like it, it you're only going to wear it like the, the part of the, the basic fundamental, I mean, this sounds super obvious, but it, you have to think about it. It really, you know, it, it, it's true just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's not true is that for anybody to buy an Apple watch, they need to have a, a wrist where they're going to put it. And if you've got like, already wear a watch that you love and you have no interest in stopping to wear, you're not going to buy an Apple watch, right? It's, you know, it, that's, this is just a fact. I think a big part of the success of Apple watch is there were an awful lot of wrists out there that had no, nothing on them at all. Or maybe they had something like a Fitbit or something like that yeah. uh, instead of a traditional watch. And the prop, the value proposition of Apple Watch compared to uh, a fitness band was like, yeah, I'll just take this off, put it in a drawer, and get something that's better. No, you're you're right. You're right about that. Uh, and a I, couple of other people I know who are watch guys, uh, and I say that deliberately because, in my experience, people who are a little bit more interested in watch do tend to be men. And it's not to say that there aren't women who aren't watch collectors, but it's you know being quote unquote into watches is overwhelmingly a male thing. And I think the reason why is because women have all sorts of options for uh, jewelry. Yes. And, and for most men in their personal styles, the, the really only chance, the really only place for jewelry in most men's and certainly the way I dress and the, you know, uh, my personal sense of style, the only place where I'm going to put jewelry is, is on my, my wrist. Which is, you know, and I'm not saying anything that a lot of people haven't realized, but that's why. And I think for watch guys, the Apple Watch is, is less appealing than from people who weren't into watches before. Now, the only t thing that would make me not wear an Apple Watch at this point is if my father gave me his watch. Hmm. Yeah, because he, he got that watch from his father. So if I had that, I don't know if I would wear it or what I would do with it. I haven't really thought about that, but that's about the only situation I can think where I would wear something else. I know a couple of people who are really into our racket, you know, computers, they're, you know, however it is, they, they make their paycheck. They're either writing about computers or they're writing code or, you know, they're somehow involved in computers who are into watches. And it's always mechanical watches or almost always mechanical watches, meaning watches that you don't, that don't take a battery that are completely mechanical devices. And I think there's something to it where if you're doing something computery and electronic all day, there is something, um, uh, appealing about a completely non-electronic device. 
but that still works algorithmically. Like that's the thing is like when you get into watches, you start learning about the movements and it's, you know, um, and how the actual watch goes. And you know, you you know, that it's like, well, if this spring has a certain tension, it'll push this and this gear will turn at a certain rate and that gear will turn at this rate and this thing oscillates and you end up with, you know, a second hand that moves eight, eight times a second between here and there, which creates the illusion that it's just smoothly sweeping around the hand. You know, if this, then that it's, it's algorithmic. And I feel like there's an awful lot of people who are like programmers or have a programming type mindset who, if they were alive, a hundred years ago, they'd be watchmakers. I've had this conversation with Dave Nanian of Super Duper. Yeah. And Dave, Dave is a huge watch guy. He's, he's really, he was, when I first started getting into watches, he taught me, I would say probably 75% of what I know. Um, and has some has really good, has taste that aligns with mine in a lot of ways. Um, uh, and he, you know, he said the same, you know, he, he's, he's, I probably just ripped off that whole, <laughs> that whole, <laughs> so I just ripped that whole thing off from him from like a conversation I had with him at like the C4 conference, like 10 years ago when I first started getting into watches, like the, the correlation between the logic of programming and computers and the exact same type of thinking, but in a completely mechanical, non-electronic sense of mechanical watches. Dave, so anyway. Dave's going to sue you now for taking his... Well, I go buy Super Duper. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Call it even. Call it it's even. It's a great disc cloning utility for Mac. If you've never used it, you really ought to look at it. I've been using it since forever. Me too. Uh, so, hi, Dave. Yeah. Anyway, the event. Uh, I don't know. So, we left, say, we left off at Williams. Right. What was next? The watch was there. Uh, I thought it was strong. Was it Schiller? Yeah, probably, right? I mean, that's really all there was now that I think about it. I left my... Oh, no, here's my notebook. So Apple Watch came out at 1025. Apple Watch Series 2, the Nike stuff, and then 1054 was iPhone. So Watch got 30 minutes, and then Schiller was on for 55 minutes talking about the iPhone. I thought Schiller was great, and you already said that, but it was you know like almost the canonical... Phil Schiller introduces a new iPhone uh, introduction. Schiller is it's it's tough to explain Schiller, but you tend to believe Schiller when he's when he's talking. You know, unlike some of these, like you were talking about before with spokespeople. Yeah, Schiller's not a spokesperson. He believes what he's saying. He gets up. He he tells you and one thing. I actually thought this was very interesting, and I, I I think that it happened more this time than with any other Apple keynote. They not only told you what the new features were, they told you why they were important. Yeah, I, I think that's true. You know, so like when Shore was talking about the camera, and he, he would say, you know, it's a six-layer camera, and it does a, a billion uh, actions in 25 milliseconds, and, you know, all this stuff. That's fine. That That's a great thing to say. It's, it's perfect for a keynote that you say all that stuff. But then he stopped and said, and here's what happens during that process. Here are the things that we do, and here's what happens to your picture. And he went through showing the picture during the six uh, layers uh, and all the things that's going on inside there. And as a, you know, a very poor photographer myself, I look at that and say, 
Oh, okay. So that means that it's going to be, I'm going to be able to take better pictures. And I kind of understand why that I think that was important. Here's an interesting fact. I just, just pecked this out and I correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, and we could talk about this. Actually, I do want to talk about it. This was the 10th generation iPhone. Yeah. I'm not counting what iPhones. I'm not counting that are sort of half generations are the Verizon iPhone four, which introduced CDMA and, and this is why the, the bigger reason I think it deserves the half generation, you know, designation is it had the, the different antenna layout that ended up being used by the 4S a year later for all of the iPhone 4S's. But the Verizon iPhone 4 had a, the, the 4S style antenna lines that didn't have the antenna gate attenuation issue of the iPhone 4. Right. I'm not counting the iPhone 5C which was plastic, but which had the exact same internal specifications as the iPhone 5 the year before. It was literally just the outer casing that was different, and the display and everything inside was the same as the iPhone 5. And I'm not counting the iPhone SE, which is, of all of those oddball off-generation things, is the one that perhaps most you know qualifies as a half generation because it's you know re- really really interesting technology wise but i'm just talking about flagship top of the line iPhones the iPhone 7 and 7 plus are the 10th iPhones of those 10 only 3 were introduced by Steve Jobs the original the 3G the 3GS was during Jobs's first medical leave and Schiller did it at WWD it was still when they were doing them at WWDC um Jobs was back for the iPhone 4, the first Retina one in 2010, but then the 2011 was the 4S, which was introduced at the sort of somber, maudlin uh, town hall. I mean, that's, right. that's almost I, stunning. If you think about how many people were at the, the event last week, how many? I mean, there was, that place was packed. Yeah, to think that they actually did an iPhone introduction in in hundred person town hall was amazing. But that was the one that, that was introduced just a few days before Jobs died. And, and I, you know, it was day, I think it was the day before. The day before, yeah. I mean, it was. I think and, so. And, and you knew that they. I mean, they obviously, you know, Tim and and those guys were close enough that they knew. You know, they did. They, um, so out of ten phones, Schiller's done seven of them, which I think in, in my mind it's like that doesn't sound right to me. It seems like I seem to remember Steve Jobs introducing lots of iPhones, but it's actually not true. That that's an interesting piece of research i didn't know that um i think and you know he's always been good at it but i think this one was as good as ever yeah i i just i enjoy when phil goes up to talk because i maybe it's you know he's just no nonsense he gets up there and he's gonna tell you and then every once in a while i loved i love this line when when he was up talking about the phone and he said we're introducing another new color we call it black. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to stand up and do the slow clap, you know, like brilliant. That was brilliant, Phil. You know, he had the he had the pauses. It's black. It's a black iPhone. We call it, you know, is it gonna be matte black? Is it gonna be this fancy color like space gray? Is it gonna be space black? No, we call it black. Brilliant. There's- there's the whole uh, why did we remove the antenna jack thing, and I'm going to give you three reasons. But first, courage. Uh, that was still – I still see people, even in like their iPhone reviews this week, bringing that up. And 
I wrote a piece. I I th- I'm on board with it. I don't care I am what he says. Um, and I it's like the the pushback is always it's it's on like a sort of moral spectrum that this you know Apple you know is doing this for profit. They're going to make they're doing it just to make money from Air AirPods and that's Beats so headphones. stupid. All right, but even if it is, even if let's just concede the point that it's a money grab. All right, let's just say for the sake of argument that it is a money grab. It doesn't defeat the point that it takes courage to do something unpopular. That's the. It's like I wrote an article. I I thought it was pretty clear, specifically that doing something that you believe to be right, but that you know is going to be unpopular, when there is right at hand a totally non-controversial option in front of you, like if the new iPhone Seven still had the headphone jack. There would be no outcry. There's nobody, you know, who is going to be outraged that there's still a standard headphone jack. Right. Right. It's not controversial choice A versus controversial choice B. It's controversial choice A versus, uh, eh, you know, that's the way it's always been choice B, which is not controversial. And that's why most companies don't make decisions like this before Apple does. That's why Apple was the first to get rid of the CD-ROM or DVD drive in laptops. Yeah, and, uh, and the floppy disk, and you know. Well, I, you know, everybody says floppy disk, and it's a good example. It's a great example, but it, it, it's so far in the past. Like the DVD one is fairly recent, and the outcry was loud. It was like, well, how the hell am I going to enter? How the hell am I going to download uh, or install the OS? Yeah, you know, uh, how am I going to install Adobe uh, Studio? You know, it comes on a DVD. It's like, well, guess what? Adobe's got to get their act together and give it to you a different way. And they did. And they do. They and did. nobody, you know, it, it seems ridiculous now. To, <laughs> can you imagine? If you're, you're, I mean, think about how many years it's been since you've had a laptop with a spinning DVD drive. Remember how when you were typing, you could you could feel it spinning? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And you could hear it. Right. I, 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 I can't imagine having one now. I don't need one. And you know what? I don't need a headphone jack either. Yeah. And I had... So many people come to me and say, uh, you know, on Twitter or or email and say, well, maybe you just don't have a good a good set of headphones. Well, I have uh, a set, an analog set, you know, with the, the headphone uh, eighth inch thing, um, a set of Futurasonics in-ear monitors. They're $800. They're the best monitors on the market, bar none. I don't care if you talk about ultimate ears or any of that other stuff. These are the best. The guy that invented in-ear monitors started Futurasonics. So he knows his his audio. And you previously um, used those with your iPhone? Yeah. And okay. I use them I use them to mix music. Um I use them so I use them to listen, I use them to mix, I use them for for everything because they are the absolute best in-ear monitors that you can get. As a matter of fact, ear monitors is a, a registered trademark of his. Uh, lots of people <laughs> use it, but it's his trademark. So this guy knows his audio. And I put on, when I put in uh, the Future Sonics, I can actually hear things in songs that I cannot hear on other headphones. So it's, you're, it, you're coming at, in other words, you're coming at this from the perspective of somebody who knows his, knows his shit and cares about good headphones. I care about good headphones. Right. And if I didn't, I wouldn't be using Futurasonics, but I do. So when people come to me and say, 
you don't maybe you don't have a good pair of headphones if you did then you would know that this isn't good well i send them a picture of the headphones that i do have from future sonics and they just write back and say oh well, so what, know, are you, I, what are you doing with them are you using the adapter yeah i can use the yeah. adapter it works fine <laughs> i don't know what the major problem is with these people and, and i wrote in, in my piece okay here's your choice you can have a hundred year old uh, headphone adapter or you can have uh, uh image stabilization a bigger battery and there was another thing uh which would you rather have i say ditch the headphone jack because most people you got to remember that Apple's going for for the, the the biggest common denominator here. And for most people, when they say, oh, they're taking out the headphone jack, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to listen to music. Oh, no, Apple's going to include a set of headphones. Oh, okay, well, fine. And Apple's going to include an adapter that will let you use your old headphones. Oh, okay, that's fine. You know, people don't care. I wrote earlier when I uh, – <laughs> with my – one of my favorite headlines of the year, jack off. <laughs> uh, like my, here's what I think Apple should both should and will do with, you know, what are they going to put? What are they going to put in the box? That was my question heading into this. Like, let's just accept that the headphone jack is gone. The rumors were so rampant from the supply chain. Um, what are they going to put in the box? And I was hoping they would put wireless headphones in the box. Right. Um, but, and I didn't think that they would put the adapter, but it was complicated because I said, but it, I, I, I think it makes sense that if they're going to put wired lightning headphones in the box, which is what they're actually doing, then it makes sense to put the adapter in too. Yeah. Because they're saying by default, what you get are wired headphones and you can use ours, which will plug into lightning, or you can use whatever ones you want that'll plug into this a little adapter and we'll sell the adapters for the lowest price we can possibly get away with selling it for nine bucks. So you can buy a bunch of them in case you lose them or in case you want to attach them to a couple of pairs. I think that makes total sense. My argument that they wouldn't include the adapter was, I think I'd have to go back and read the article is mostly if they include wireless earbuds in the box, then they shouldn't include the adapter because the adapter would be saying you should be using wireless wired headphones. And I, it's very clear, very clear for me that the reason that I, that they're not including wireless headphones is that the AirPods are too expensive to make. There, there's you know they need to to be in the box. They need to be like you know nine ten dollars cost of goods. Um, yeah. And the AirPods are way way. You know we get, let's just hold that. We'll go back to the AirPods later in the show. Let's try to stick to the event, but we'll come to it. But bottom line is they had to do it this way with the AirPods because there's no way they could sell them. At that price, I, I agree. I, and I said early on that if Apple takes out the uh, uh, the headphone jack, they will include an adapter. I was pretty sure that they would, yeah. because they wouldn't want everybody to be. They're already going to be screaming enough, even though they don't know what they're screaming about. Uh, that if they include an adapter, that will just stop it. What misled me was that you can get like. $30, some, some sets of Bluetooth headsets now are only like 30 bucks, you know, like, and they're, you know, just regular old Bluetooth. And that misled me and thought maybe Apple could make their own that are like 30 bucks. But knowing how AirPods work now and that the, they're both little computers that literally, I mean, they're not really just headphones. The W1 are, is like a computing chip. They're, they're little computers that are in your ear. And that is how they do the, um, 
like, you know, both ears are in sync without a wire between them, which is a really, really hard problem to solve. Um, that's why most Bluetooth headphones have some kind of, you know, electrical cable between the left and right so that they can keep it in sync. You know, usually like one of them is the little Bluetooth receiver and there's a wire going under your chin or behind your neck to the other one. And the other right. one is, is literally just a, as, as dumb of a headphone as, as any headphone, you know, it's, um, but they're little computers and there's no way, you know, they are not little $30 things, but anyway, we'll come back to that. Um, I thought Schiller did a great job. I thought the courage thing. Uh, I guess it could have been phrased better because it proved so controversial, but I, I you know, I, 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 I think st- he was absolutely right though. And for the reasons that you outlined, right. it did well, take a lot of courage to do what they did. I, whether you agree or disagree with him, I, I really, here's the main thing. And I think this is all the way back to the first thing you said about Phil on stage is that he's honest. He's that's it. Whether you think it's right or wrong, that's what Phil Schiller believes. He's not he's not telling you something that's other than what is actually what he thinks. And how can you go wrong with that? Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I just think it was a good thing. All right, let's take a break. Unless you have anything else for the actual what happened on stage. No, I've had my Sia thing. Yeah, I'm let's, good. Let's maybe talk hands-on area afterwards. But let me take a break first and just say um, I want to thank our first sponsor. And it is our good friends at Global Delight. Um. You know, these guys, they make the Mac software boom, uh, uh, a couple other utilities. They've been sponsoring the show lately. Uh, This week, they want me to tell you about one of their other utilities called Capto, C-A-P-T-O. I think it's called Capto. Maybe it's Capto. You know me. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. What do you think, Jim? Capto or Capto? What does it do? It's a screen capture utility. Oh. I'm going to say Capto. Capto, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know your Mac is not just a system. You use it for creating designs. You use it for making videos, for blogging, for coding, for teaching, delivering podcasts, making websites. I do a lot of those things. Uh, Many times you come across the need of capturing your screen or recording it live and then editing it to suit your requirements. Cap2 is the screen capture and video editing app for Mac. It is a complete all-in-one solution for screen capture. You use Cap2 to capture an entire screen or you can just capture just part of it. You can capture just a window, just a you know draw a rectangle, one click, and then you can uh, record a screen live, and it's in HD. When you're done capturing, you can edit the images and the video without hassle right there in Cap2. It automatically gets stored in well-organized folders where you can find them easily, manage your projects. Um, really, really great. Uh, so if you're making like tutorial videos for YouTube or stuff in-house, like if you work at a bigger company and you need to make videos to train people and stuff like that, um, Cap2 is the answer to your needs. Sound like a must-have app for your Mac? Then download the 15-day free trial at cap2formac.com. C-A-P-T-O, that's the name of the app, for F-O-R, Mac, M-A-C.com. I'm sure you could just Google Cap2 Mac and you'll get to the same website. Now, here's the best part. No, two best parts. Number one, three best parts. I'm going to go back to three. (laughs) Three great things. First, like I just said, 15-day free trial. Go there, download it. This is the great part of Indie Mac software. You don't have to spend any money to get it from the App Store before you do it. Go there, download it, and see for yourself before you spend a nickel. Number two, when you do decide to buy it, remember this coupon code, Fireball. F-I-R-E-B-A-L-L, and you will get 25% off on per purchase if you do that before October 15, or on October 15. Don't wait till October 15, though. 
Do it now. <laughs> uh, you certainly have the 15 days between now and then to do it. But remember that. Fireball gets you 25% off, so you'll save some bucks. And here's the third thing. These guys at Global Delight do the some of the best user interface design work of anybody in the India bracket today. So even if you don't want a screen capture utility, go to that website and just take a look at these screenshots. It is a gorgeous app, really gorgeous. They sweat the details and do it right. So my thanks to Global Delight, cap2 for Mac.com. Sounds cool. Uh, Hands-on area. Mm. When did you get in? I, I Panzerino and I were way up in the way up in like the back row of where the press sat. We, we literally had my had my back to the the second level and the second level was all Apple people. Um, so I liked my seat because we were dead center stage, but it took us forever to get out. Yeah, I was I was down in the bottom section. Oh, uh, that's right. I remember where you were sitting. Yeah. I do remember, yeah. So I get out pretty quick and I was I was among the first in there. Yeah, I was really late. Capt- uh, Panzerino and I were... And there was a big long hallway that they built. I they didn't. That just blows me away. Like, in addition to building, the 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 what they do two what they've done two years in a row with the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium uh, is build a building in a building. Yeah. And they this time they actually built a hallway. I linked to it in my thoughts on the show, and I put a photo I took of it, like a very Kubrickian hallway with white walls, white floors, really nice lighting. That was just there for people like me who weren't going to, you know, the hands-on area was way too small to let anybody in. So there was a, a long wait while you had, you know, as people left, they let more in. So they built a hallway so you'd have a nice Apple-like experience while waiting, right. <laughs> waiting in line. And that's typical <laughs> Apple. I mean, you know, I mentioned it a couple of times in the in the reviews that I did that their attention to detail is just outstanding. You know, but, and, and that shows it. It's things like that. They know that you're going to be standing there. Well, they're not going to have you standing there in a, in a concrete, uh, you know, brick hallway. No, they'll build a hallway for you. (laughs) It's a nicer retail area. I know they weren't selling anything, but it's sort of set up like a retail Apple store. It's a nicer retail area than most actual stores for most companies. Yeah. And they, (laughs) it was there for Two hours. Yeah, for a couple hours so that we could walk through and, and look at the products. And yeah. there's a lot of um, Apple employees there, you know, that are, are yeah. there to, to help and talk to you about things. And it's great. It's a, I, I love having a great hands-on area. I don't uh, understand the people who go in and out. There's some of the people, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there are some people who are, you know, in the same racket as us, who if they get in early, they quick look at everything, maybe they snap a few photos, but they're it's like they're like they they have a like they have somewhere to go and they they're like out. I don't get it. I mean, I'm not necessarily the last guy left in there, although I have been in in some events. I remember with the original the original iPad, the first iPad, Dan Morin and I got our hands. Remember there was a dock with a keyboard? Yeah. It's it's like they kind of with the the smart keyboard have circled back to the original that original idea that maybe there should be a keyboard with the iPad, and Dan Morin and I were just playing with this thing. We're like figuring out which keyboard shortcuts were. And when like somebody came up and when they were so nice and they're like, uh, guys, you know, we're kind of trying to close. And we look around and there's nobody else except Apple employees in the hands-on area. 
Yeah. Well, so I'm not always the last, but I stay until they start, at least until they start gently suggesting that people leave because you can learn so much. It's not like the people who man, the Apple people who man the hands-on tables are, they're some of the, you know, they're from all over the company. That's one of the things I think some people don't realize is they're not just like product marketing people. Like there's, you know, people from the app store, uh, you know, just people who are good people, people. Right, people yeah. who are good at answering questions and and being personable, but they come from all over the company, and you can you know make contacts, you know, and and learn, you know, meet interesting people from Apple. How often do we get a chance to do that? Not often. Not often. No, and and you're right. There there are a lot of interesting people there, and I always see a lot of friends there, you know, from uh, from Apple, and it it's great. I go in and I I try and take. Uh, as many decent pictures as I can. Um, but, you know, I agree with you that that staying around and being able to use the products. And, you know, once a lot of the people leave, once they're done with their photos and everything, there's actually some room in there. You know, you can walk around. Yeah. And yeah. You, you do get a better uh, a sense of the products because now you can finally stand there and use them. Um, it, the one I think is funny is Rene Richie. I mean, yeah. he'll stay to the bitter end. He'll hide oh, yeah. so th- so that they have to find him and kick yeah. him out because he's doing videos and he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Rene is funny. Yeah, he uh, checks in like it's a hotel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I texted him the the last time, uh, the last event, and I said, you know, it was probably three thirty in the afternoon, and I said, do you want to grab a coffee? And he said, I'm still in hands on. I said, jeez, oh, Rene. I mean, come on. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, I will say over time, the hands-on areas have evolved and it is the changing nature, you know, (laughs) Daring Fireball is still the same and there aren't any photos there, but the changing nature and obsession with these videos and especially the videos, but the photos have really changed the nature of the hands-on area. And it's unfortunate because it's worse. It's, it's so many people want to get photos and they want their photos to be like, you know, high, you know, really, really nice. Uh, you can't do so it. So when they finally get a chance to like, you know, you wait around and, you know, like, let's say I want to, I want to try the new jet black. I want to get my hands on the jet black iPhone and you wait and you wait and somebody's in front of you and they're taking a tour and the, the product guy for, or, or, or woman from Apple is there and they have, you know, they're, they're prepared with like, you know, three or four things. Like, what do you want to see? Do you want to see photos? You know, you know, here, take a look. You know, one of the things they did in the hands-on area for everybody was show you photos because on the iPhone screen, you could see the photos with the high color gamut, which was if fame, you know, they emphasized three or four times in the event, this kind of sucks because our projector here isn't, high color gamut, you know? So what we're showing you here is not representative of the photos you can take and what you'll see on screen on this iPhone, because, you know, you can't show high color gamut with a non high color gamut, uh, projector. So they wanted to show that to people, you know, and they're prepared with a couple of things like that. And then, you know, you say, thank you. You know, you, I say thanks. And then, you know, step aside so that the next person can, you know, can get the same demo. And then in the meantime, they wipe, wipe the machine, you know, wipe it off with a white cloth. But when the photo people get there, it's like they want the phone and they don't even want the product tour. They don't even, they're not even like listening right. to the things. They're just trying to set the, the, the thing up so they can take photos, which are exactly like the photos being taken by a hundred other different people yeah. who are there. None of which are going to be better than the photos that Apple's product marketing team has already taken and made available to everybody in the press. Yep. It's true. 
And then the worst part to me is the video people. I think I've mentioned this in years past or last year or whatever, but it's getting worse because the video people want to, it's a two man, two person team where there's a camera person and then the, 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 the talent, yeah. quote unquote. And the, the video, the videographers want to get as far away. You know, they want to get a couple feet behind, but they, you're at the table. How many times did you get bumped into? I got oh. bumped into at least three times. It's not just that you get bumped into. It's that they will push you out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and you and I, especially you, let's just face it. Don't <laughs> you don't look like someone. I mean, uh, you know, you don't look like someone you want to push. I'm. I'm. Well, the, the I don't. The, the, I like, don't look. I don't look tough. I let's face it. But I am six two and two hundred pounds. Yeah. I mean. I, I won't move. And now I've stopped because, like you said, there's so many of them that are jostling and, and trying to push you out of the way and they and, used- and things like that. That There was one guy there this time from, from PC Mag. He was doing a live, uh, maybe a Periscope or something. He was screaming. <laughs> he was screaming. And I was standing there at the table trying to get a product... Uh, uh, a demo Tour. from from yeah. from the person. <laughs> this guy was right beside us, yelling into his phone, and so I started saying, um, you know, when I was standing there, because the guy couldn't give me the demo, he was yelling so loud. Uh, I I started saying, like, since I was right next to him, why is this guy screaming into his phone so loud? Why are you screaming <laughs> into your phone so loud? Why is this guy doing that? Why are you screaming? And so I just kept, kept talking over him. And finally, he he stopped and went away. And then I could have my product demo. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, this is nothing that Apple is doing. This is uh, how things have changed yeah, and it's, for it's, us. A- Apple tried to stem, you know, tried to dam the, the creek for a while. Because for years... They only let you shoot video in designated areas in the hands-on areas. Uh, like, if you remember, like when there were hands-on areas in um, Moscone, like when they would do the when they would do the iPhones at WWDC, and then there was that was when they had a huge area because Moscone is huge, right off to the side in the what's the hallway of Moscone is where they would have the hands-on areas, and it was really, I mean, like expansive. It it was you know, like in a ballroom more than, uh, you know, uh, a, a cramped area, but they would make the video people go off to the side. They weren't allowed to shoot video near the tables, right? There'd be like black curtains and, uh, you know, some lighting over to the side where they could, they could shoot their video stuff. But I think that the, the, it's too many people, you know, they, if they tried to enforce that now, they, it, they would just spend all of their time telling people you've got to shoot, you know, it would never stop. I've spoken to them. They design the hands-on tables now with way more space between them than is actually necessary or feels natural, specifically to accommodate the video people. But even so, you still get bumped into. You still do. Well, right? And it's they, because they just take up more and more room all the time. They they used to space them either exactly or very close to the space between them in an Apple retail store. Um, but now it's way more spaced apart than in an Apple retail store because it's because of these video guys. All right, I got to well, tell you this. I'm, tell you. I'm just going to keep bumping them back. Before, I wanted to get the. I f- almost forgot this story. The last thing about the event was my seat. I I, I was sitting next to uh, 
it was hard to get a seat. We were among the last people to get seats. It was me and Jason Snell and uh, Christina Warren, who were the three of us were trying to get seats together. And we found them up in this top row in the center. But they no, no three of the seats were adjacent. So we gave Christina the first one. And then we saw uh, Horace, Deju. And he had two seats open, one on his left, one on his right. And so Jason took the one and I took the other. And um, that's you know who I was sitting next to in the event. On my right was this guy. I don't know who he is, but... Uh, I was wearing a backpack and I had uh, coffee in my one hand. And, but because we had the last row, there was like a shelf above my seat, you know, like that was like the, the layer between our layer and the, the upper layer. So I thought, Hey, that's a good place to put my drink while I unpack and, and get this. Cause then it won't be on the floor and I won't kick it over. And I turn around and, um, I will admit, I, I when I wear a backpack, I often bump into things with, I have a bad sense of the 3d space. My backpack takes behind me. And apparently, I I bumped into the the wide brimmed fedora of the gentleman sitting next to me. Oh dear! And he said, "Hey, bro, you bummed my hat." <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> and my I, my first thought was to be apologetic. I'm a nice guy, but the way he said it, I it, it I had a moment where I almost said, "Well, I am sorry." But on the other hand, you could act like a normal gentleman and remove your hat and doors. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't say it. This son of a bitch spent the whole event, I mean the whole two hours of the event, Instagram videoing what was going on on stage and mumbling into his microphone. Oh. Oh. Now, he wasn't talking. I, you know, he was whispering into his microphone but i was sitting right next to him i mean and it, it was i don't know if it was french accented english or french uh, any other the other thing too is he purposefully shot all of his video with his iphone at a 45 degree angle <laughs> so that everything looked like the bad guy layers in the old batman tv, yeah. TV show and he's like and i, I I came close a couple of times to being like, you got to stop. And it was like, every time it seemed like I was going to have to say something, it, it seemed like he dialed it back and would, you know, all of a sudden five minutes would go by and he wasn't shooting an Instagram video, but then he'd do it again. And it's like, yeah, that drives me crazy. I, there were people behind me, you know, I was at the last row in the bottom section. There were people um, right behind me at the start of the, the second section that were talking throughout the the keynote and a couple of times i turned around and gave them a dirty look like you know i'm here to listen to tim and phil not you yeah. shut up i can't i mean like why were you why was the guy even there i mean and people could you know anybody wanted to watch there's a live stream you know what i mean right i don't get it it was really i, I really don't get weird. it but people you know i i go to to the keynote to watch them and Apple does a good job of making sure that they put on a great show and that we have hands-on areas. And then these morons come in, you know, and they talk through a keynote. Why would you talk through a keynote? <laughs> I, oh, you know, the last one that I, I think it was at Town Hall, the last event that was at Town Hall, there was a, a guy from a reporter from China that talked the entire way through the keynote. All right, because he was translating. He was for his translating audience. the keynote. Over the phone, live. Right. They got They. That's not where you. If you're gonna do that, watch the video and you know go into a room and load up the video. Oh and do my it from god! The video. I couldn't believe it. I I nearly lost my mind. Right. And he was right behind me. 
And so at the end of the keynote, uh, when I get up, I took his picture and tweeted it and said, you know, what a moron he was. Uh, I don't, I don't get why did it, it's like I tweeted this afternoon. I said, there's so much stupid shit written about Apple whenever they release new products. Why is it that these people that, that go to these keynotes are so dumb? They're dumb. They talk <laughs> through the keynote. They, they push us out of the way so that they can get their, uh, do their, their video thing. They, they scream into their phones for Periscope. It, it's just, it's dumb. Did you get the impression that there were a lot more people from Asia who were there for this yeah. keynote in terms of like, hey, who got a seat and who didn't? Which is always, you know, inside baseball, you know, in our racket, you know, who gets invited and who doesn't, right. who's there. And it seemed like invitations, even though the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium is huge, uh, the press seating area was only on the lower level and only on the one side. Right. Um, and it's, you know, the whole central stage front section is all VIP sitting, seating for Apple, you know, and, and their friends. Um, so there weren't that many press seats. And it really seemed to me like the reason that, that even though it's such a huge auditorium, that, all, you know, press invitations seem to be somewhat tight is that there were so many people from Asia, uh, press and I don't know who's press, who's analysts, but, you know. It's it, just unbelievable, and it's part of that. They, they used to have like simulcasts in Asia, and they don't do it anymore. Instead, they invite them to come to California and be there live. Um, it, it's just it really seemed like more more than ever before. Well, the whole section where I was was basically Asia, except for Walt Mossberg, Rene, and me. Hmm. Yeah, and Matt Honan was there, right? Oh, was he I, down I saw, there too? Yeah, he was like right on the on the uh, aisle, like had like the leftmost seat. Oh, I see. Yeah, I didn't see Matt. I saw him. Uh, out, I saw him outside, yeah. and you know. Well, anyway, uh, let's take a break, and let me thank our second sponsor. It's our good friends, really good friends of the show, big strong supporters of the show. Casper, Casper makes obsessively engineered mattresses at shockingly fair prices. Go to casper.com slash the talk show. And use that code, the talk show, and you'll save 50 bucks toward your mattress. Now, you've heard me talk about mattress before, or Casper before. Casper has an in house team of engineers. Really? I mean, you think about it, everything needs to be engineered. They spent thousands of collective hours developing the Casper mattress. You don't go there. This is my favorite thing about them because this is the type of decision that just paralyzes me. You don't go there and pick between six different types of springiness or foam or or memory foam and all this stuff. It, they they make one type of mattress. It's got just the right balance between springy latex foam and supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And it's a breathable design. So it's not just comfortable and soft and has the right right bounce, but it's a breathable design that sleeps cool to regulate your temperature through the night. I love to sleep. I sleep as long and as often <laughs> as I can. Sleeping, to me, is one of the great joys of life. And having a good mattress makes it even better. If you've got if you're at home and like you go to like you go to a hotel and you're ever in a nice hotel and you say, Wow, that's a great mattress. I love that. You know what? Why don't you get a great mattress and have it in your house? Right? If you go to a hotel and find and I've had this happen. I because I, I used to just use a mattress forever. I would just you gotta think about it. 
your mattress wears out over time. It really does. And if you ever have that experience that when you go to a hotel or something like that and you're like, wow, this is a great mattress. I'm, this feels way better than my mattress at home. Well, why not get one for home where you are 350 nights a year? Casper has it great. Now, in addition to the fact that it's a great mattress, their prices are amazing because they cut out all the middlemen. They make them right here in the USA and then they ship them right to you, right in a little box. And then you open it up and it fills up with oxygen and, and becomes a full-size bed. Uh, Here's their prices. Uh, $500 for twin, 600 twin XL, 750 for a full, 850 for a queen, and just 950 bucks for a king. Most mattresses, you know, you go to a mattress store, you spend like $20,000 on a king. I don't know. <laughs> but you spend a lot more than, you spend a lot more than 950. Now, one more thing. I hope you haven't skipped ahead. I hope you're listening because they have an amazing new product. It's a dog mattress. They're making dog mattresses at Casper now. They've put just as much attention to them as, as their people mattresses and they've got uh, removable covers that you can wash and they got like a zipper that just tucks away. What, your dog deserves a good night's sleep too, probably more than you do. So go there and check this out. It is amazing. They have the best dog mattresses uh, you're ever going to find. Casper.com slash the talk show. And remember that code the talk show, you'll save 50 bucks towards your first mattress, whether it's for you or whether it's for your dog. I like Casper too. Good stuff. You know who doesn't get mattresses? Who? Cats. Good. You know why? Why? Cats suck. Cats suck. I hate cats. I love dogs. I'm probably going to turn off half my audience here. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but you know what? That's part of the reason why cats suck, because you could buy your cat a mattress, and they wouldn't even use it. They wouldn't. They would they'd jump up on your head instead and yeah, sleep they'd there. they'd still sleep on your TV or whatever. They'd yeah. Creep, creeping around. Uh, dog, you know what a dog's going to do with a mattress? Going to sleep the hell out of sleep it. Sleep. Dogs know it. how to sleep. That's yeah. the other thing about dogs. A good dog will sleep twenty two hours a day. Oh yeah. <laughs> Only get up to to go to the bathroom and eat and eat right yeah. and greet you right. And they, yeah. the, the other thing they'll do is they'll greet you when you come in the door. Unless you come in too late, then they might just wag their tail and still be sleeping. All right, we've got products to talk about. I don't All know right. if you know. Uh, did you know this that there's new products that came out? Apparently. All right, um, we can talk about them. But while we're talking about events, let's let's speculate. Let's jump ahead. Okay. Uh, so uh, there was no Mac hardware news at the event last week. They didn't even talk about the software. Really, Mac was not part of the event. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> as as you predicted, uh, it, you know, you're very astute. Now, last year. There was one fall Apple event. Now, in years prior to that, there was sort of a, a TikTok schedule right. where there would be a big event in September with iPhones and then a smaller event in October with other stuff. And sometimes it was Mac. I don't even remember what the small iPad. Event. Sometimes iPad. Yeah. Uh, usually, September, big event, somewhere big, you know, like the Flint Center, the one time. Uh, Going back further, years further, it would be in the Yerba Buena Center right in downtown San Francisco. Right. Uh, and then the October event was often in Town Hall. Maybe always in Town Hall. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, last year, there was just one event for the fall. And a couple of people at Apple who I spoke to said that is by design that the two-event thing, even with a smaller event, was a real stress on them uh, I can see personnel, that. Personnel and time-wise. And it wasn't just like, oh, poor us, we don't want to do the work. I mean, you know, it, it, honestly, I'm not, I'm not just trying to blow smoke up their asses. The people who put on these events for Apple work their asses off, and they're not afraid of hard work. 
Uh, it's just that what I heard from a couple people was that they always felt that with the September, mid-September and then mid-October events, that both events suffered, especially the October event, that because it just didn't, it didn't have, they didn't have enough time to do it right. And that it was better to put all their eggs in one basket and do one than to do two. Uh, and secondarily, adding on to that, when, when the March event uh, was in Town Hall, the one where the, the, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro was introduced, Tim Cook said, this is probably the last time we're you know, going to have an event here. We've had a lot of great history here, but we're moving to a new campus next year, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so no Mac hardware news, uh, no event to showcase features in Sierra. Um, Yet there are well, a every every single product in the Mac lineup, other than the MacBook uh, one port jobby, is old and outdated. Over a year, I'm not being hyperbolic. I mean, like MacBook Pros are over a year old. Yeah. The the Mac Pro literally just passed its thousandth day since it was updated, uh, and there is an excellent new version of Mac OS that is ready, you know, coming out soon. Do you think that there's going to be an October event where they they do Mac stuff? You know. Here's here's the thing for me with with the Mac. I, I think a simpler question is: Do I think that they have Macs that they'll release sometime um, before the the holiday shopping season? Yes, I, I, I think, agree. I think my answer to that is is a definite yes. Will they have an event? For those Macs, I think it's a more difficult question because, like you said, uh, the reasoning for these one event things is very sound. It's it's a sound uh, a reasoning to to cut that out. So if they have an event for what we would have to think at this point would be Macs, because don't forget the iPads were updated at the last event too. They didn't yeah. talk about it, but they were. So this is basically going to be a Mac event. So are those Macs that they have so good that they'll want uh, to roll them out in an event as opposed to rolling them out in a press release? Or do like, um, you know, briefings with uh, with a number of, of of their key people and roll them out like that? I mean, there are, yeah. there, there are a few things that they could do. If the Macs are big enough... And they're they're that confident in them, then yeah, there'll be an event. If not, then I think one of the other two options is the best. I think it'll either be an event or it will be briefings. And then, you know, when they do the briefings, and they did this like, like one of the first ones I remember was uh, it was a version of Mac OS ten. It might have been ten point seven. Uh, somewhere around there, but it was they remember I. I they, it was around March, and uh, they had like a mysterious. They were like, "Can you, you know?" For me, it was New York. You, you know, I, I don't know where you went. Maybe you were still going to New York at the time, but it was, you know, hey, come, we, you know, we have something to show you. Right? Can you make can you make it up Tuesday at at you know noon or one o'clock in the afternoon? And I was like, "Well, what's it about?" And they're like, "Well, you know, we we want to keep it under wraps." I had no idea what it was, and it was the time I wrote about it. It was I had a briefing with uh, Phil Schiller and Brian Kroll. Um, from product marketing where they showed the next version of Mac OS 10. I think it was 10.7, but it doesn't really matter. But it was off schedule. And it was at a time when the Mac was generally only getting updated every 18 months or so. 
Like Mac wasn't Mac OS wasn't on a yearly schedule. It was at coming off that time where there were a couple of years where they even said, "Hey, you know, uh, Mac OS is getting updated slower because we're pulling key people to keep iOS." You know, the top priority of the company software-wise were annual releases of iOS. And the Mac, I mean, they they admitted it. They even had a PR the one time where they're like, you know, we were going to have uh, Mac OS come out at WWDC, but it's going to come out later in the year instead because we, you know, we're engineering constrained. And these product briefings were sort of a, hey, we're back. We're back at full steam ahead and we're doing the Mac every year too. And we've got, you know, here's what's coming. We're going to try to release this later this year. And, you know, um, and they've done that a couple of other times too, but the Mac one really stuck out to me. Yeah, and uh, I I don't mind that. I don't know about you, but I don't no. mind that. Well, and it's not as exclusive as it sounds either, because they generally when they do this. Well, in fact, maybe I think every time I know that they've done it, they they do some in, in California and Cupertino, and then they have another team fly out to New York. Yes, and usually get like a suite of hotel rooms, and it's you know uh, they could have two or three, four, maybe even four teams at a time in parallel. Um, doing it, you know, half an hour at a time so they can fit, you know, each team can fit, I don't know, 10, 15 briefings in a day, you know, multiplied by three or four teams, you know, and you can easily, you know, get these briefings out to, you know, 50 to a hundred people. Yeah. And I don't even know if they were that big. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know. I don't know that may they not did. be. Well, it's, they're always so secretive. About yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. You only really know, all you ever really know is who came before you because you see them on the way out and you know who's coming in after you. That's exactly right. Or, uh, I, like I think we did one time, we bumped into each other walking down the street. Oh, what are you doing yeah. here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know what which way to bet, though. I'm kind of betting on uh, briefings. But I, I don't want to make a bet. I, I you know, like if you wanted to put money on it, I, I wouldn't want to put up more than five dollars. If you said you thought it was going to be an event, no more than five dollars. Because <laughs> the other thing too is, I wonder whether for them it is less effort to do one event in town hall than to send two teams. You know, one in new, you know, send a team to New York and have another team in Cupertino. I don't know. Do you know what town hall are, are some of my favorite? Brief, uh, say favorite events. I'm kind of rooting. That's the one thing too is I'm rooting for Town Hall because I would like to go one more there. I I love right? I love Town Hall. I really do. I just and this time this time we'd know it's the last. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, because there are no more products coming. Well, I guess that we don't know. It wouldn't be 100 percent certain because there's a chance that you know construction would be significantly delayed and a March event that they might want to have next year couldn't be held on the new campus. But I kind of get the feeling like if they have a March event, it's going to be at the new campus. Yeah. And I I know you can just tell by looking at it, there is no chance in hell that an event next month is going to be at the new campus. No, 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 you can't. They, they wouldn't do that. But um, I, what the important thing I think is the very first question. Is there, are there Macs available, uh, going to be available new Macs before the end of the year? Yes. I think yes. Yes. So I think, but I think MacBook, I think MacBook pro, for sure. Yes. And and I think part of the reason that Tim Cook said, I think this is, you know, in March, that this will probably be the last time we meet here, is I really do think that Apple at that time thought that MacBook Pros would, would be out by WWDC. But maybe I'm wrong, because maybe yeah. there's a design aspect of this new Mac that is, like, tied into AirPods or something like that. Well, uh, see, that's the whole thing. Uh, are these Macs big enough that they'll hold an event? And, and that's what we don't know, because, uh, you know, there's... 
there's rumors and stuff, but yeah. you never know. I mean, are they going to update the Mac Pro? I think I think they I think they either have to update it or kill it. The Mac Pro, if, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, a thousand day old computer is uh, again. I it, I I know it's not their bread and butter. I know that it's actually the opposite. You know, financially speaking, the iPhone is every, you know sixty percent of the company's revenue. Yeah. The Mac Pro is some immeasurably slim thing, but. If you're going to have a you know a, a personal computing platform for professionals like the Mac, there needs to be professional hardware well, to run on. And it. doesn't that bring you into something else with with something like the Mac Pro or even the Mac Mini? You need a screen. I don't yeah. I don't want to go, go buy a screen from HP or or I want an Apple screen. Well, and I want the screen. It, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to buy a Mac Pro anymore. I'm gonna, I'm I'm almost certainly going to run iMacs until they stop making iMacs because I don't need the performance. I really don't, and I love the, just having one less thing to hook up to another thing. But it doesn't make any sense to me that if you buy a twelve thousand dollar Mac Pro that you can't hook it up to a display as nice as you get on a three thousand dollar iMac. Right. Right. And or that, I don't even know what the entry level you know the entry level iMac is, but it's you know. It it doesn't make any sense that you can get a better display with professional high color gamut, and, right? And all this, yeah. Stuff. And 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 that's a very good point. Don't forget these are wide color gamut displays, right. so you're you're actually getting something that's better than what right. most people have, but yet you can't get it with the Mac Pro. But right. maybe maybe their thought is that people that use the Mac Pro don't actually use displays, and they no. don't use them like this. Yes, they do because they're photographers uh, well, and videographers, and, right? And, if you <laughs> If you're doing professional video editing, of course you want a Mac Pro, and of course you want the high, you know, the high color gamut display. And if you're a professional photographer, of course you want it. That's yeah. I I would uh, use it for audio. I mean, I I use an iMac, and it, I love this iMac. But if I had the choice, yeah, I'd get a Mac Pro and a and a big display, and do I, do my stuff. I love making fun of people who put the word finally in their headlines about Apple in completely inappropriate ways. But this is a kid. And one of the reasons why is that if you overuse a word, the word ceases to have meaning. Right. Um, uh, This is a case where if let's just say if in October, they uh, release a new Mac pro with modern Intel hardware and a, you know, I think the place where it's most dated by far isn't even the CPU, even though the CPU is three years old, but the graphics, like the graphics capabilities of the Mac Pro, it, it, the graphics chips have made, you know, tremendous increases in, in the last three years. Uh, and and a 5K cinema display that has, or whatever they're going to call it, display uh, that, you know, has a wide color gamut and is beautiful. This is a case where the word finally is exactly exactly right yeah yeah you can't argue with that you really can't i hope so and i i have absolutely zero scuttlebutt nothing i've heard from any little birdies has told me that any of this stuff is coming well mac pros macbook pros we know we've heard are coming german's had reports on them and you know a lot of people have heard stuff about macbook pros i haven't heard anything about the mac pro though so me neither it's almost terrifying to to me that i haven't well, because it makes me worry that my expectation that it's coming is simply based on my hopes <laughs> and the hopes of daring fireball readers and and talk show listeners who I know are waiting for it. Well, and you know you're you're not alone in that. The, my readers have have had the same reaction. You know, e- emailing and and Twitter and everything else that you know. What have you heard about this? Yeah. Well, you know. I, uh, all I know is that it's. I look at the Mac Rumors buying guide and it says it's a thousand and two days old. So, Oof. better be coming. Um, 
Let me take a break here, and then we'll talk about the actual products. And I thank our third and final sponsor. What a great sponsor. I love these guys. Audible.com. They have an unmatched selection of audiobooks. And don't even just think of them as the audio. That's what I used to think of them as. That's where you go to get audiobooks. Audible now has original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Like what Netflix is to video, Audible is to audio. Really is. You get a 30-day free trial at audible.com slash talk show. And they'll know that you came from here and you'll get 30 days free and you can listen to it all. Uh, they have audiobooks from virtually every genre you can imagine, ready to go anytime, anywhere, and you can play them with your Audible account uh, on your phones, tablets, computers, most modern Kindles, and even iPods. Most of the time, I think most people are going to probably listen to it right on your iPhone. Yeah. Uh, why not? Well, they're great for long flights, road trips, uh, your daily commute. So if you wish I did more uh, episodes of the talk show because you run out of time and things to listen to, Audible can fill up all the time you have on your commute. If you're uh, one of the people who have a long daily commute, whether it's public transportation or riding in your car, whatever it is. Uh, audiobooks bring books to life. Many of them nowadays are read by the authors themselves, adding an extra dimension to the text. Uh, and when you have an account, you can take risks and try new authors and genres without regret because Audible offers what they call the great listen guarantee. If you start an audiobook and you don't like it, you can exchange it for another one for free. So you can't lose. It's like being able to like browse the book in the bookstore and maybe read chapter one before you decide whether you're going to buy it. Uh, see and listen for yourself. When you begin your 30-day free trial, you get your first audiobook for free, and there's no stress or obligation. You can cancel your membership at any time. So with audiobooks and spoken word products, you'll find what you're looking for. Again, 30-day free trial. You cannot lose. You lose nothing except for the pennies you pay for the download uh, over the air. And you probably got uh, you probably don't pay by the penny. You probably don't pay by the kilobyte, right? Nobody does. So it's absolutely free. Audible.com slash talk show. No the, just slash talk show. Uh, my thanks to them for their continuing support of this uh, award-winning podcast. That has never won any awards. All right. I don't if, know uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the product, oh, God. The products themselves. What I mean, again, I don't want to complain, but I can complain to you. All right. Uh, don't, I don't worry. I won't have tell anybody. a great job. You have a great job. Yeah. We are lucky. As we record this, everybody who's ever going to end up listening to it is wondering what it is like to hold the new iPhones. What's it like to feel the jet black? What does it look like? Uh, what's the camera like in the iPhone 7 Plus? Everybody wants to know, what does it look like to when you go and hit the 2X button and you're looking through the second lens? Everybody's curious. Everybody's dying. Maybe by the time they listen, they're, if they pre-ordered, they'll have them. They're showing up tomorrow. You and I both know the answers to all those questions. What a great job. If there, if I didn't have this job, I would wish that I had it. Yeah, exactly. I used to be jealous. Like when I read about the original iPhone, I wish that I was one of the guys who got to use it before everybody else. And now I do. I get to use it before everybody else. That said, <laughs> getting the, the getting two phones and a brand new Apple Watch and an all new <laughs> headphone <laughs> and being given five days to review them before the embargo goes up is it, it it is pretty hard <laughs> well, i actually i'm telling you the goddamn truth now part of this is i cut my i cut a fingernail too short on my left my left ring finger 
I hurt my finger typing this week. I, I suffered like a work-related injury. I need... <laughs> <laughs> I actually hurt myself. Oh man! I, I mean, I've written—I swear to God—I've written something like eight or nine thousand words this week. <clears throat> we'll uh, we'll we'll take out a you know a Kickstarter or something for you. Let me insert my my usual disclaimer that my mom's father was a coal miner. He spent his entire career digging coal out of mountains in central Pennsylvania and wound up dying of black lung disease. <laughs> and, and you cut your his, fingernail too short. His grand, <laughs> I am his grandson. I think if he knew what I was doing and, and you know, how, how many people listen to my podcast and, and how many people read my site, he would be so proud. <laughs> he would be delighted. He really was your stereotypical. He was a first generation, uh, uh, you know, his, he, he came over from the Ukraine when he was like a baby. Uh, and he was the stereotypical immigrant American who wanted nothing but for his children and their children to have better and better lives. And that is exactly what's going on with me and my sister. He'd be so proud. <laughs> but here I am complaining about my, my finger that hurts Your because I cut hurts. a fingernail too short, short and had to type 7,000 words So about $1,000 cell phones. You know what you remind me of? You remind me of that uh, GE commercial where they put a hammer on the table and said, you can't lift the hammer, can you? you did you ever see that? Yeah. It, it, it's, I, that's, yeah. <clears throat> you know, like the Goodfellas scene when, when he takes her, takes uh, uh, Lorraine Bracco into the Copacabana and, and then, she, you know, and they get the, the table put out right in front of the front row. And she's like, what do you do? And he goes, I'm a union delegate. <laughs> or no, she, he goes, I'm in construction. And yeah. she, feels his hand, she feels his hands, right? All right, where the calluses should be. And she goes, you don't feel like, your hands don't feel like you work in construction. And he says, I'm a union delegate. <laughs> Right, like if you just took if you took my hands and just felt for calluses, you wouldn't say it, it feels like I'm a hard worker. Yeah, <laughs> but you did injure yourself this it week. It was so. it's hard to review. I really felt the pressure, especially with the phones. I like to take more time. I wish I could have two weeks, yeah. and not because I want to take two weeks to write. It's like I want to settle in with the devices yeah. before, and it's really hard, especially with two phones, and especially with two phones that are fundamentally different. Well, I could only, I mean, m m like the camera, most of what I focused on with the camera was focused on the, the plus mm -hmm. uh, with the zoom. Uh, because, you know, you're, you're kind of rushing at that point uh, because, you know, you leave the next day and, you know, you, you get everything set up and then, you know, the next day and your, your time is running short um, so I, you know, I try and do the best I can and give the best, uh, thoughts that I can on it, but I really enjoy both of them. I do. Both and, and you know yeah. what? Somebody asked me today, which phone do you think I, I should get? Should I get the one with, uh, the plus for the, uh, two times camera? And I know for a fact that this person hates the bigger phone. Uh, you know, when it came to the to the six or the six plus, they went for the six because they hated the bigger phone. They just they saw no use for the bigger phone. And and my response back to them was, I know you don't like the bigger phone. So think about this: Do you want to use a bigger phone twenty four hours a day 
for those few times that you'll use the telephoto camera? I don't think so. I don't think that you do. But that's kind of how to look at it. And it is much harder this year than the previous years. The two previous years, there was a there was a photographic advantage to the plus models, which was that it had optical image stabilization, and they made it even better last year. The first year with the six, the optical image stabilization was only for still photos, and then last year the plus did optical image stabilization for video. Mm. I it, it's a big deal. It really does work. It does increase in photo terms. Uh, it it gives you at least I think at least two stops. I think Apple advertises it as three stops. Um, I think it, it it's very fair to say that for most people in their ability to hold a camera still, you'll get at least two stops from optical image stabilization. What does stops mean? It means that it's it, you can get a, a in focus, not blurry picture with less light, or you'll if you're like shooting out of a moving car or something like that you'll get you'll you'll be able to take a, a steadier picture I try it, it's exactly <laughs> what you know optical image stabilization is a feature that is exactly it's it's perfectly named I try and never to shoot work. out of a moving car but you know it works it, it does work I think personally especially f- in, in typical like just regular person going about their daily life shooting stuff with their phone, the optical image stabilization for video is even more important than for stills because it works all the time. So like, just like when you're shooting something with video and you're walking and there's that just, even no matter how steady you try to hold the camera, you get this camera shake, the optical image stabilization, when you just like, just walk down the sidewalk, uh, and trying to keep it steady, the difference between with and without optical image stabilization is night and day. It looks like the difference between like a consumer camera and a thousand dollar pro camera. Um, one of the tests I did, I don't publish these things because I just don't have time. I, I just try to focus on words and I know other people will show examples, but I took my 6S, which does not have optical image stabilization, and the 7, just the regular 7, so it would be the exact same size, and I held them back, you know, right next to each other so that the, you know, imagine this, like put the glass of the six right on the back of the seven so that the camera lenses are as close as possible without one of the lenses uh, obstructing the other, right? Start shooting video with both of them and then just walk down the sidewalk and then come back in, load them up on a computer and watch them. The difference between A and B is just huge. It's a huge factor, and it was tempting. But it wasn't enough for me to get the big phone the last two years. But now that it has the new lens system, boy, it, I, I am absolutely... I, I honestly, I'm telling you right now, Jim, I haven't ordered a phone for myself yet because I don't know what to get. I, I think for me, a lot of it is use and... I, I need I need reading glasses now. So the the plus is it has to be the plus for me. Because if I pick up the, the seven, I have trouble I have trouble seeing it. Even what do you what do you do for that? Now I'm in the same I'm in the same boat at, 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 at you know, I'm in the same boat. I've talked about it on the show before. I need reading glasses too, at least when I have my contacts in. What do you do? Do you go to zoom mode? So that you're running it at the same effective resolution as the smaller one, or do you just go in and bump the text size up? And, uh... <laughs> this this is terrible, but I I do both. <laughs> <laughs> really? All right. I mean, I, I yeah, I do both. I, I I bump the text size up, and I use uh, the zoom mode uh, mm-hmm. because it's it's just I I need I need that. I I want to be able to pick up my phone and. Um, 
and 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 just be able to look at it to see a message if a message comes in that that's what i want but even with zoom and bigger text cuz bigger text doesn't work for everything but no. so even that's with true. with the bigger text i still a lot of times have to to pick up my glasses to actually see what's there with the with the plus i can usually just pick it up and look at it and say oh okay I I know that it makes me sound like I'm uh, older than I actually am. Even I, my eyes are older. You know, uh, my my close vision is worse than my age should be. I'm actually like behind, so it makes me sound old. And I remember being young. And if, you know, anybody who looks at Daring Fireball knows that as a designer, I love small type. I love it aesthetically. I do. I like small. And I used to like to do stuff when I was editor school paper, where we'd make little like to fill in the, the empty ad spots. We'd make little house ads for the paper itself and i would just fill them with tiny little like literally like five or six point type and footnotes mm. I, I loved it <laughs> um so i resisted bumping the text size up as long as i could because i like it but then once i gave in but i'll tell you what i want to say something i don't know how many people from apple listen to the show but I, i've been thinking about this a lot lately um as I experiment with what's best for me with, you know, reading glasses or just not wearing my contacts and using regular glasses. Cause then I can just take my glasses off and I can see, I can see anything with my glasses off small print. The, the, the text sizing feature in, in iOS where you go to display and brightness text size, and you can get to the same setting through the accessibility too. And, and it says apps that support dynamic type will adjust to your preferred reading size below. It's not just that it makes text size bigger a lot of places, but especially, I think, starting in iOS 9, and in iOS 10, it's even better. It's not just that the text is bigger, but the way it flows makes it look like it's exactly right. Like yeah. it, When they first introduced this feature a couple years ago and I played with it, I was like, well, this is a great accessibility feature, and people who have vision problems will really appreciate it. I have a friend who has really terrible eyes. I mean, maybe like it, it's it's like he's on the spectrum of being blind. Not blind like he can't see, but like he really blows it up. Like he goes to the in the accessibility where there's like it's beyond the, the top setting. You know, there's like a special like, hey, do you want to expose super big, like almost ludicrously large type? He, he blows it up to there and he said it's like a game changer for him because even though it's ridiculously big he has absolutely no trouble reading text messages anymore it's like changed his life so i'm you know nowhere near that bad i just need 1.00 reading glasses but i'll tell you what i really appreciate uh, as somebody who appreciates fine design and was resistant to this because i didn't want my iphone to look worse because i was using big type it blows me away how i can go two clicks bigger on the type three clicks bigger even and everything still looks like it's nicely designed. Yes. Yeah, it I looks agree. beautiful to me. And I look at my son's iPhone and it actually and his is running at the stock default size because he's 12 years old and his eyes are perfect. I look at his now and it almost looks to me aesthetically just judging as to whether it's pleasing, not whether I can read it, but whether it's pleasing or not. It actually looks too small to me. <laughs> so I really I just want to say if anybody who works on these accessibility features at Apple and and the dynamic sizing stuff that accommodates them, the fa I, I can only imagine how hard that is to design something that looks good at widely varying text sizes. I've designed many things in my life and it's it's really hard to do that and I really appreciate it. And I'll tell you what, it's like what you just said about running in Zoom zone. When you run into an app that doesn't use dynamic type, I want to I want to smash my iPhone. Uber, I'm looking at you. Yeah. The Uber app. <laughs> I, I really I have to get like a magnifying glass. I know. Yeah, I've been having I I it it's 
this is the the type of stuff that I was talking about earlier with, um, you know, their attention to detail. Yeah, that that other companies just don't do. The fact that they've clearly have a team that spent so much time system wide across so many apps. I have noticed one bug where mail sometimes goes back to mail on iOS goes back to smaller type. And I, I wonder and it confuses me because sometimes you get email that's just styled text, you know, the person yeah. isn't sending plain text. And I thought, oh, they just picked a small font that's picking it up. But then I realized like two or three messages in a row are too small. And I force quit mail and relaunch it, and all of a sudden the same message has the text that I prefer. So I've, I've noticed that mail, there must be just a bug where it somehow loses track of the dynamic size. But system-wide, messages, mail, Safari, reader view, they pick up this thing and it just looks great and I can read it and, it, and it's great. Well, I don't need that. So I don't have a preference. I will say this, after spending some time with both and spending the last year on the regular 6S size, um, I, my eyes are not at the point where I need the bigger phone just for reading. But I certainly, I, I, I'm at the point now where when you say, say that you do, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and, and if anybody out there is listening who doesn't, count your blessings. Whether if you're yeah. young, you know, appreciate it while you have it. I I do think one thing about my vision, and as it's getting worse as I get older, I do feel that I didn't waste my youth with perfect vision. I feel like I I actually appreciated it while I had it. So did I. Oh my god! I was sit- I told you I was sitting next to Horace Deju in the thing, and he's making these uh, numbers spreadsheets live, like based on the numbers that like Tim Cook and Jeff Williams are giving. He's posting these. He's so amazing in in numbers. I know. Like, he, he honest to God, you. It, it, I would just like to have like a video feed of him just working in numbers for half an hour. But he his numbers spreadsheet. It's it's like this expansive canvas that he pans across, and he's got all these charts. It's not like a bunch of different sheets. It's like one big sheet with a whole bunch of sections, and everything is at like six-point type. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I could basically sit beside him as a spy and never get anything. <laughs> no. It, to me, it looked just like a bunch of dots, like little ants on screen. <laughs> Uh, did you get, I think everybody might've gotten seated. Everybody who got review units from what I could tell, got the exact same two phones, jet black, iPhone seven, regular black iPhone seven plus. Yes. I think everybody got the same ones. Yep. To, to my knowledge, nobody other than in the hands-on area has seen a jet black iPhone seven plus. I actually like the matte black better. I can totally see it. I'm also, to this point, I am still torn on both quadrants. I, I don't know which finish to get, and I don't know which size to get. Now, you know, I really, I, honest to God, I, don't, I haven't ordered. You, you brought up a good point about, um, about the blemishes that could happen to the jet black one. Uh, yeah. It is a gloss finish. Of course, uh, you know, when, when showing a picture on stage... I fell in love with the jet black when they were showing it in the keynote because it's just so shiny and gorgeous. I felt like a crow, you know, ooh, something yeah. shiny. <laughs> I want that. But when I get back into the to the hands-on area and I saw the the matte finish, I I I I love that. It's just I don't, it's so subtle. I don't think that their initial batch of product photography does it justice. It does not. I think I think that they're I'm talking about the flat black, yeah. matte black, regular black, whatever you want to call it. In their product photography, especially what they showed us on stage, and I don't know if this was made worse by the fact that it was a projection, but it looked like very dark gray. Not that it didn't look good, but that when you see it in person, it is clearly black. Yes, it like, is I, black. I had the feeling when we watched the event, 
I, I I still thought they both looked good, but I thought, oh, I thought like that's a stretch calling that black. And I know that one of the reasons I thought that it's a stretch is I know that black is a very hard color to anodize on aluminum. And that's why they, they abandoned what they called slate with the five to go to the much lighter. It's actually more like a dark silver, what they call space gray. Right. Um, but when you see it in person, it is absolutely positively legit black. Yeah, and and it's stunning. I thought um, so. I'm not worried about uh, the, the little blemishes that may come up in a in a, uh, a a phone. I wouldn't. I don't use a case. I have keys in my pocket. I, I I have a lighter in my pocket. I would put the phone in there, and it would get scratched all to crap. But I don't care about that. I you know I. I play guitar. I have some expensive guitars. I, I play them and my belt buckle uh, scrapes on them. And I don't care about that either. Right. You know, I just, I want to use it and I want to use the best one. And so that isn't a consideration for me. That will be a consideration for a lot of people. I think the fact that blemishes will show up uh, so, so easily on that phone. Yeah. And Apple does warn you about that. I mean, they're, they're very clear about it. So it's, yeah. it's going to happen. Um, but I just overall the look of the of the black over the jet black. I'm sitting here looking at it now, and I'm just you know I'm just here's admiring a, it. Here's an interesting thing uh, I didn't mention in my review, but I thought it was really interesting is on the on the regular black the Apple logo. I think it's actually just like previously. It's it's a stainless steel insert, I think, but it is it's super high gloss. You know, the Apple logo is super yes. high gloss, and the Apple logo pops off the back on the jet black it's actually you actually have to put it in the right light to even see the apple logo it is and it's the first iphone ever where i think that's true like in most i'm sitting here playing with it now it's sort of getting towards dusk as, as here um but at most angles i can't even see the apple logo on the back because the apple logo is shiny too it is also it is different it's not you know there is an apple logo and you can feel it so I think it's also a stainless steel insert. Like I can rub my fi finger over it and I feel the edges of the Apple logo. But in most lighting angles, if it's not, if you're not catching the light to get a reflection, you don't see the Apple logo. I, I didn't even notice that. I'm going to have to go look. I don't know that that's a reason for anybody to buy it or not buy it, you know, but it's just an interesting thing to me that, you know, I don't know. Because I don't think they've ever made an iPhone before where the iPhone, where the Apple doesn't pop on the back. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, what do you think about the feel? This is the, by far and away the number one question I got last week is, is the jet black slippery? And Me too. And I was actually surprised with how tactile it was. It looks like a wet bar of soap. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. And, it, you know, you posted on Twitter about how it kind of stuck to your skin or you posted yeah. something like that. And I thought, you know what? It That's, that's exactly right. And uh, it... It looks like you're going to pick it up and it's going to just pop right out of your hand and, you know, smash. But it it sticks to your hand. I mean, I don't know. I wonder. I'm really curious. I can't wait. This is like one of the things I can't wait until tomorrow when thousands of people start getting them to see if everybody agrees with that or if it has something to do with my skin. My my hands I don't think I you've shaken my hand before. I don't well, I don't I wouldn't say that I have sweaty hands, but my hands naturally have are, are nice and moist you know like they feel like i use nice moisturizer which, am which i gonna I have to give you my 
visa number here or something? <laughs> I'm just saying though, maybe I just, I'm just curious if people who have, let's say dry hands, which I don't have, I don't suffer from dry hands. I wonder if people who have dry hands will find it slippery. I, because I don't think I have so. seen, most people seem to agree with me that it is, it is a grippy phone. It's a grippy texture, yeah. but, um, uh, Marquez Brownlee, MK, uh, B HD, um, it's, he called it slippery in his hands-on area video, and then he called it slippery in his uh, unboxing when he got a review unit on on Wednesday. Really? So I don't know. Maybe he has dry hands. I, I, it 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 is. I stand behind the fact that it's the grippiest phone I've ever felt. Yeah. Um, our iPhone I've ever felt. Uh, a week later, but well, the, the, I just wonder whether there's any variance between dryness of hands and, and that, that reaction. The Samsung Galaxy Note 7 is actually more grippier than this, but that's because it blows up. So. <laughs> well, it's hard to hold a phone that's on fire. <laughs> hey, did you see that they, they actually just initiated the formal recall? I, I did. I can't – I mean, I don't want to – I don't like – I have tried to make as little hay over this as possible on Derek Fireball because I don't understand it. I don't know how widespread it is. And I wonder, I mean, say what you want about Samsung as, as like a copycat company. And I, I really don't like them in that regard. I really do feel that they're sort of, um, you know, well, like your feelings on Pharrell. That's how I feel about, about Samsung. Uh, I don't like when they, and when they are original, I tend to find it distasteful. Um, I don't really like, I just, I, I, I'm not a fan of the company. I, I don't know. That maybe it's a shock to people, but I think engineering wise, they're, you know, they're very, very competent. You know, they, I mean, in fact, they make, they make chips that are used, you know, in the iPhone. Yep. Uh, they're, you know, you can't knock them on, on engineering quality. So there's this aspect to this that says there, but for the grace of God goes any company, including Apple, you know, that this sort of, I don't know. The, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out in the long run that there was uh some slipshod engineering in there. Maybe like there were warnings that were ignored. You know, I don't know. There could be the case. It could be the case that no, this wouldn't happen to Apple because at Apple or, or, you know, just insert other company here, um, Lenovo or whoever you want to say who has a good reputation, where if engineers said, Hey, this battery, you know, with this many milliamps, you know, whatever the problem is with this battery, this is going to be a problem. This is, this is outside specs. Maybe. Or maybe, maybe this was, uh, who knows what the explanation is. So I don't want to make hay over it. But that said, boy, this is a fiasco. Yeah. Now, how do things work in the U.S.? When <clears throat> when the, the safety regulators issue a recall, do they follow that up with an investigation? So will Samsung be asked to hand over papers to, to show that, that there was some I negligence? Don't know. Or? I think it's absolutely 100% inevitable that they're going to suffer a class action lawsuit and yes. it's all going to come out then now whether the government will initiate on their own i, I honestly don't know i, I don't hmm. know i think that they might i think the u.s consumer product safety commission will probably investigate it on their own but it's going to get investigated by by the class action lawsuit did you see the thing here's the other thing too this is and again is samsung uh is the fact that they're having this problem in the first place i mean and you know Remember 20 years ago, there was a, a PowerBook that had a problem with batteries. Somebody's battery on one of the, it was like the PowerBook 5300, I think, that had a, a, you know, but there were only like one or two cases of it happening. It was certainly far less frequent with this. But on the other hand, Apple sold far fewer PowerBook 5300s than Samsung sells Galaxy Note 7s. But again, happened to Apple once with the PowerBook. Um, it, the engineering and design problems that led to this, let's leave those aside because we can't pass judgment on them right now. Public relations wise, I think Samsung is absolutely botching this. 
I think what they should do is is just say, okay, all of them right now, send them back. Every single one, whether it's in a retail, whether it's already been sold, unsold, if it's in a warehouse, if it's in a Verizon store, send them all back to us, every single one of them, and we will make things right somehow. I don't know what making it right is. I don't know if it's giving everybody their money back. I don't know if it's giving them a different phone, if it's asking them, hey, you can either take your money back now or wait and we'll get you a, a fixed Galaxy Note 7 in six weeks, whatever it is, but that's what they should do. What they're doing now is ridiculous. Did you see the thing where they were gonna they were gonna put them in a mode where it only charges to 60%? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think that's off the table now that the U.S. consumer product, you know, now there's official recall. But they yesterday, Samsung announced that they were gonna they were gonna force a firmware update over the air that only allowed them to charge to sixty percent. Oh, wow, <laughs> which is wrong on a couple of levels, <laughs> right? Because even if you're like, if you as a Galaxy Note Seven owner are perfectly fine keeping the phone, but now your phone only has sixty percent battery life to start the day. Oh man. Anyway, we got Apple stuff to talk about, but I thought this Note Seven thing is—I—that's I, a—you just have to cut losses, right? You have to. Well, you yeah, know. that's the right thing to do. Do you remember the Tylenol recall? Remember yes. in the eighties when oh, some yeah. nut job, some nut job, uh, put what do you put in there? Cyanide, cyanide, or something like that. Yeah, it, it, some nut job working in a, a Tylenol plant poisoned a, a batch of Tylenol with uh, cyanide, and. It got nipped in the bud, but the way Tylenol handled it is like it's like textbooks and public relations have been written about it because Tylenol knew. I I think I'm getting the details on this right, but the gist of it is that Tylenol knew the exact batches that were affected. You know, it's batches with these numbers, and what they could have done is said, you know, all of these batches. If you're you know distributor, if you're a drugstore, whatever, these batches of Tylenol, whatever strength, send them back. This is these are the bad batches. That's not what they did. What Tylenol did is they said, get every single thing in every store, warehouse, anywhere that has the word Tylenol on it, whether it's Tylenol cough syrup or whatever, send it all back. Get it all. We're going to, we're just going to destroy the entire stock of Tylenol as we know it. And then we're going to give you new stuff so that everybody can feel good about the Tylenol that they're taking. Right. It's save their company. Yeah, save the company, right? It's a huge, it, they took a huge, a much bigger loss financially in the moment to deal with it, but saved their reputation yep. because of what it did is it actually did reinforce the reputation that Tylenol is a brand you can trust, right? There's nothing you can do to stop one lone nut job, but then Tylenol said, you know, we want you to have complete faith in the brand. I think Samsung is actually do this whole 60% trick is like the opposite. Well, and I, I said today, uh, you know, when I, when I posted about the, the recall, how, how are you going to trust them again? <laughs> I mean, if I don't trust, I really don't trust if the piece it's the piece of hardware that can catch fire. I don't trust a software update. <laughs> you know, this piece of hardware as it is might catch fire, but this, you can trust this software update yeah. so that it won't. Well, <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Back to these iPhones. Right. Which one? Um, I don't know. I'm torn. I'm torn, Jim. I think I, here's the thing that I really ought to do is it's, we've had an unbelievable hot stretch here in Philadelphia. It was 92 yesterday. Jeez. So I'm still wearing, I'm still wearing shorts, but I think it's cooling off. I got to get some jeans on and try this plus size one with jeans because wearing shorts is sort of a cheaty move because it's a lot less. The, to me, the least pleasant part of carrying a plus size iPhone is getting it in and out of jeans pockets. Yeah. Um, I think though, 
If well, you had to, I keep if you had it, to I tell me, in, I had to, my plus in my front pocket. Yeah, that's what I do too. But it's still it's way harder to get out for me than the success. Maybe I wear my jeans too tight. Maybe. Um, if you told me I had to order my phone that I'm going to use for the next 12 months right now on the air in this show, I would I would get the 4.7 inch in jet black. Hmm. But I'm not going to order for another week or so, and so I withhold the right to either get. <laughs> I do think I think I I feel much more certain that I'm going to end up getting the smaller iPhone seven and less certain about whether I'm going to get Jet Black or um, um, the regular black. But I think I'm going to get Jet Black, and I think the reason why has nothing to do with the way it looks and everything to do with the, the grippiness and the confidence I have that I'm not going to slip and and fall with it. You're a, you typically use well, not the fall, smaller drop phones it. anyway. Yeah, yeah. So and and I typically go for the bigger ones. So. Um, you know, I I could easily recommend either phone. This time, I feel like I, I having the bigger one is a better choice because I also get the camera too. Yeah. So, I do I do feel bad about the camera this time. Though. I, I I I've told you before, OIS optical image stabilization really is nice. I do. I've spent two years kind of wishing I had it and kind of feeling a little bad that I didn't have it. If I do go ahead and get the plus, or not the plus, the four point seven inch, I'm going to feel even worse this year, knowing that every time I take a shot where I feel like I'm uh, I, I'm too far away and I wish that I was zoomed in a little more. Uh, every single time I snap a photo, I'm going to think, God, I wish I had that other camera. Yeah, and you know, anytime I see a picture that you've taken uh, on Instagram or on Twitter, <laughs> I'm going to post and say, Why couldn't you zoom in on that? Oh, right, right, you didn't have the good phone. Right, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I did. I read your review. Uh, it seems like we're largely in agreement. Yeah, uh, it's a phenomenal year-over-year year improvement. I've been tweeting lately. I tweeted. I posted something on Daring Fireball last night, and I know benchmarks aren't everything, but that the Geekbench. If you just use Geekbench as as your benchmark, the the iPhone Seven and both iPhone Sevens benchmark almost exactly the same. Like the the difference is like the difference between one run and another on the same phone. Um, so I'll just say iPhone seven, but I mean both the iPhone seven on Geekbench gets better scores than any MacBook air ever made. It gets better scores than the current one port MacBook, and it gets about the same performance as a 2013 MacBook pro. It's only three years behind the MacBook pro in performance. And I know there's some people who say we can't really compare Geekbench numbers for arm versus Intel. There's differences, blah, 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 blah. But in broad terms, it's unbelievable how fast Apple's A-series chips are catching up on Intel. Because yes. even if you say that the that what I'm calling equivalent numbers between these phones and a 2013 MacBook Pro, even if you say that that's not quite apples to apples, or it, it, it's more apples to oranges because the differences in the OS and differences in the architecture, it is still the truth, though, that two or three years ago, the new iPhones, which had every single year better CPUs, were not three years ahead of the MacBook Pro, they were like, or behind. They were like five or six years behind. And if you go back further, it was more like 10 years behind. They're getting more efficient and and faster in what they do. Yep. And, you know, if you look at the graphs that they showed on stage, that's not stopping. It's exhilarating. Yeah. And, and somebody uh, tweeted, well, you know, isn't it funny how you care about benchmarks only when they come out in favor of the Apple product? <laughs> and that's, but that's not true. It, it, it's, I'll admit, I mean, I've been using a Mac nonstop since 1991 when I first got, that's the first time I owned my own computer. And I, and 
between 1991 and 2007, when you could buy an Intel-based Mac, most of those years, the Mac had slower performance dollar for dollar compared to uh, the Intel PCs. And if you were really into performance, if you're doing something intensive and you wanted to spend the most money you could, for most of those years, the you know if you wanted the fastest computer you could buy, it was going to be the Intel machine. And I would say, well, I used a Mac all those years, not because I didn't care, but because it didn't wasn't outweighed by the other advantages of using a Mac. And it's same true today. If the if it were the tables were turned, and Samsung phones and whatever else uses Qualcomm's chips got double the single core Geekbench numbers as the iPhone, I would still use an iPhone, and I would admit it. But it would it would be, hey. Uh, Weighing all the pros and cons, this is a con, but it doesn't isn't outweighed by the other thing. Well, you know, for me in all of these reviews that I do, whether it's the Mac, uh, which I love my Mac, I really do, but whether it's a Mac, an iPad, uh, an iPhone, a watch, I always review it and how I use it and how yes. it fits into the lifestyle that I have set up. Is this something that I'm trying to shoehorn in? In which case, no, nah, that's not going to work for me. But is it something that just kind of slides into uh, what I normally do? And yes, this is a great product and here's how I use it. You may use it differently, but here's how I use it. I never mention, uh, you know, Oh, this is, this is super fast at doing these types of calculations because that's not how I use it. So right. I, I wouldn't know that. Here's what I think it really pays off is it doesn't really pay off in like, oh, I'm doing this super computationally expensive thing and it's faster on my iPhone than it would be on an Android. I think it's the, the results where real people benefit from Apple's serious edge in chip design is in energy efficiency. So it's not so much what the iPhone can do at peak performance. It's that the iPhone doesn't have to break a sweat to get good enough performance and therefore can you get better battery life. Yeah. So what I've heard, so there's this, uh, the, the new quad core design of the A10 Fusion has two cores that run optimized for speed and two cores that run optimized for power. And Apple builds the power efficient ones as being one fifth the energy of the other ones. So if you're doing something computationally expensive, it's going to use the fast ones. And then like Phil Schiller's example is if you're just reading email, then it's going to shift to those lower power ones that are one fifth the power. I mean, it's a serious difference yeah. in energy consumption. And what I heard, the scuttlebutt I heard last week was that they are, and you know, I'm going to wait for like the non tech guys to figure this out. But the gist that I don't, because I don't know how I would test it, but the gist I heard is that they are effectively A8 performance. So they're the performance of the two year old iPhone 6, but at one fifth the power of the current, you know, high end course uh, no and the a6 it the thing is if you look at those geekbench numbers the the iphone 6 is still at single core performance it's on par with the top of the line android phones today so when you're running in low power mode on the iphone you're still getting the perform the single core performance of of the top of the line samsung galaxy note it's pretty crazy now which is crazy do you do you plug your phone in during the day uh, I do normally, but with the, with the plus, I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, it's absolutely a difference in habit. Like my one day to day with the iPhone success, when I'm, you know, at my desk, I plug it in at least once and it, you know, easily, then it easily gets through the day with the, <laughs> so we're recording at 7 PM Eastern time as we record my, my iPhone 
7 Plus, which is my main phone right now, the testing, the review unit, is at 84% battery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm about the same. And, you know, most days, um, I, I actually, no, there isn't a day when I plug in my Plus. I run all day till the end of the day when I go to bed. I plug it in overnight, get up in the morning, unplug it, and go for the full day again. So if, that's how I use that phone. It, it, you know, you would get you said you get asked it. I get asked it. Which phone should I buy? The first question is, do you mind the big size? Yeah. And if the answer to that question is no, then you're done. Go get it. Right. If you don't mind the big size, or you actually prefer it, then there's no question that you should get it. Yeah. Um. Uh, what about the your jet black? Do you have any scratches on your jet black? Um, no, nothing real big. I mean, hair those those micro abrasions. Yeah, I know yeah. some people have called them a euphemism, but I think it's actually right. A scratch to me, in, in my mind, is something you can feel with your finger, right? Or in, even even just your fingernail. The scratches that I see on the back of my jet black iPhone seven. I cannot feel. Exactly. I cannot feel. Even with my fingernail, I can't feel. Now, maybe if I used it longer, it would pick up scratches like that. But that's, I think microabrasion is a good word for it. I see it when I put it at the right light and reflect light off. Yes. And that's something that I, I actually had to do in order yeah. to, to see them was to, to you know, kind of tilt it and say, oh, yeah, okay, there's, there's, maybe that, maybe that was my keys or something that right. did that. Right, I don't know. right, right now, I have an order, but my plan is I'm going to get a, a regular iPhone 7 in jet black. I'm going to use it for a year. Uh, I'm not going to put it in a case. In fact, the whole reason I want to get it is because it'll, it's the grippiness means the only reason I would even think about putting an iPhone in a case is just the, the lack of grippiness of these aluminum finishes. Um, so I'm definitely not going to put it in a case. And I fully expect the year from now when I, back it up for the last time to use the backup to put into an iPhone 7S or an iPhone 8 or whatever they're going to call next year's iPhones, that it's going to be all scratched up on the back, and I don't care. I don't care either. No. And that's, see, as much as you say um, the first question is, do you mind the bigger size? I think the second question is, do you mind being all scratched up after a year? Yeah, and do you mind being able to see fingerprints during the day and stuff like that? And if they, hey, they do have, I know it's a question people have asked. They do have an oleophobic coating on the whole thing. So it does like rub, you know, when you rub it on your jeans or whatever to clear the fingerprints, it's easy. Like it, it, the, the screen clears up of fingerprints just as easily as the, or the back clears up of fingerprints just as easily as the front. Yeah. But it starts picking up again as soon as you <laughs> flip it around. Yep. I don't care either. I, it just doesn't bother me. I care less about, I do like to have a phone that looks cool. And so both blacks look cool. Yes. Uh, but I care more about how it feels. All right, we're running short on time. Uh, what do you want? What would you rather talk about more? Would you rather talk about AirPods more or Apple Watch Series Two? Oh, well, we did talk about um, AirPods, yeah, uh, a little bit earlier. I will say just a quick note on AirPods. Um, people have been going insane, losing their minds that these things are going to fall out of your ears when you're running. They're going to, um, uh, the, the sound isn't good. They've never had them. They've never touched them. Right. And it's all these people that have never had the, the AirPods that are saying how bad they are. Well, I have exercised in them. I've lifted weights. I've walked. I tried I don't run often, but I I ran a bit. Uh, I tilted my head sideways. I did everything but do cartwheels. 
uh, with these things in my ear, they have never fallen out. No, I've been running with them. I, I mean, again, it might vary ear by ear, but and and for me, they they fit so well that I was confident. I knew as soon as I put them in, I was like, oh, I could go running in these, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. I mean, maybe you, maybe you know, out of everybody who listens to the show, surely somebody's got ears that are of different shape, and it, you're gonna, but you're gonna know when you put it in whether it's a a, a good a good fit or not. I I don't. I just I I don't know why people do that, but yeah, yeah. here's. So here's the thing. I think, and and this is the big tell over time to me, is how much of this is about Apple wanting, seeing these AirPods as the future of audio, personal audio, and how much of it is a money grab? How much of it is that they want to make money selling $159 headphones? I believe, uh, and it's, you know, it's not entirely uninformed, but I, you know, who knows? Maybe the person I spoke to is full of shit, but... I believe that they priced them as low as they could, and that if they could have sold them for one twenty nine, they would have sold them for one twenty nine, and if they could have sold them for ninety nine, they would have sold them for ninety nine. And I think the fact that one fifty nine is such an oddball price is it's that it's the direct result of the. Co- I'm not saying they're selling them at cost. I'm saying though that they're selling them at cost times whatever minimal profit Tim Cook and Jeff Williams, you know, want out of these things. But that it's the margins on these things, I think, are significantly lower than Apple's typical margins and that they're not selling them for a profit. They wanted to sell them. This is the lowest price we can get away with selling them at and make a profit. And 159 is a very unusual price. Well, like, even 149 would have been more typical for Apple. Um, and here's the way – I mean, we won't know until next year. But here's the tell. What ha- if next year they're still 159? Well, maybe the price of making them didn't come down. Two years from now, though, if they don't get the price down to 129 or 99 or something like that, then okay, I would I would then concede that they are trying to make money selling AirPods. I expect that it next year and or the year after that, the price is going to go down on AirPods because they really want these to be in as many ears as possible, and it's more important. Than than making a profit. I don't think at all that this is a money grab, and the reason I don't think that is because if it was a money grab, they didn't have to do all of these extra things that they did. They could just make a set of Bluetooth headphones, or they could have said, "Yes, our partner Beats has these Bluetooth headphones." I think that they are trying to do two things well one and two the first is that i think they are moving to wireless and i think in order to move to wireless they needed to build this w1 chip and this is the first that we're seeing of this chip they they're they're solving problems along the way they're solving wireless issues along the way they're giving us features in wireless that we've never had before and to me, that is not a money grab. That's that those are features that users will be able to use. And I agree wholeheartedly with you that in two years they want these in, in as many people's ears as they can possibly get. Yeah, I think I this is my hope, and I really think that this I this is what I would bet on is that the price will go down steadily over time, year over year. And I I don't know how many years it'll take, but three four years it'll be in the box with the iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it can't be yet. 
it's too expensive because they really are. They are two computers. You're, when you put them in, they, they are two computers that you're putting in your ear. This is my favorite detail about how they work. I, I think that they even say this on the, uh, the marketing site, but they, they, they're, they're little, I don't know if they run iOS. I don't think they do, but I don't know what, but they run some kind of, you know, operating system. They're computers. When they're in your ear, they use a motion coprocessor to see when your jaw moves. And when your jaw moves, that's when the microphone turns on to start listening so that you, you know, uh, it's not it, it. So, like, if you're on a phone call, uh, and you're just listening, I'm listening to you talk. The microphone isn't going for me. It's not. It's not wasting battery life on the m- microphone. It waits until my jaw moves for me to start talking before the microphone kicks in. Well, and that the, the the motion coprocessor is so sensitive that it can it can pick up when my jaw moves. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Crazy. Now. I asked them, I, I don't know if you talked to them about this, but because I do this, um, I said, what happens if I'm walking down the street singing Aussie, you know, with my headphones in? And they said, they looked at me kind of weird. And I said, yeah, I know, but I do it. I, you know, I do it. And they said, well, the microphone will come on because it, it won't. It will. Well, but why would it come on if it wasn't even thinking about listening to you? Because it's not in a context where it needs it. It doesn't do. Yo, dingus. No, that- oh, I shouldn't have said that, but. I think that they're wrong. I don't, I don't, sorry if anybody's theory kicked in. <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, I don't think it will because uh, you ha- that's why you have to double tap to get Siri. You have to double tap for Siri so it's Only not on always the phone, listening. On the watch, that doesn't work. But on the ear pods, it does. I don't think the microphone is listening to you just because you're singing Ozzy while you walk down the street. I think you could do it. You should do a battery test. Spend an hour <laughs> without singing and spend an hour singing. I think you'll see the same battery life. Huh. The battery life difference between these and other Bluetooth ear pods, you know, obviously those big over the ear ones from Beats, you know, they get 40 hours I of know. battery life. I know. It's crazy. But these get so much better battery life. Samsung released a pair of similar ear pods, the ones that come with a case that charges, they get 90 minutes of battery life. Oh, my this is God. a product that Samsung released two months ago. Huh. <laughs> These get the the five hours they advertise are totally legit. I, I mean, I think they undersold it because I took a cross country yes. flight and listened to music most of the time and got home and I had forty four percent battery life left. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I said that. Uh, I think that now, they were being conservative, but yeah. Now that said, like when I went to the bathroom or I forget what I did, or a couple times during or takeoff and landing, for example, I ha- you have to take them off. You know, turn the Bluetooth off, and I put them in the case so they did get to sip from the charger. But it's that's typical use. I didn't do anything a normal per- person wouldn't do who wanted to listen to music and podcasts during the flight the whole time. So I listened to it for most of a transcontinental flight and had 44% battery well, life. Well, here's something it. interesting. The AirPods never uh, went to zero charge unless I wanted it to. So I never got them down. I never got them below 40%. I, 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 and that's one of those problems of five-day review. Or I haven't really written my AirPod review. I guess I should let them run down, but I, I couldn't get the battery to run down. I, I ran it down to zero, but I use them. I use earphones all the time because... Hey, what kind, what kind of indication do you get when it gets low? Does the, it, does I, does the phone tell you? Do they beep or no, something? No, the, there was a beep in my ear. I, I noticed yeah. it actually last night because they went down to 11%. And I, I heard something in my ear and I thought, what? That's weird. What was that? And when I checked the the battery, it it was down. It said eleven percent at that point. So, um, so the only time that they died is when I wanted them to. Now it took 
It, I'll say less than 15 minutes to get to 100% charging. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So it was, hey. it was incredible. I put them in the charger and 10 minutes later I looked and they were almost, it was like at 75%. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. I look and you know, if I had kept checking at that point, uh, I would have, I would have probably seen it at, you know, 11, 12 minutes where it was, uh, completely charged. But uh, I had to go in and get a beer. So uh, by the time <laughs> I get back, they were completely charged, and I'll I'll just I'll be conservative and say fifteen minutes. But I think it was less from zero, absolute zero, dead. That's crazy. I still haven't written a, a full AirPods review because I even wrote my. Re- I just ran out of time. I mean, again, it's just the nature of being a one person shop. I don't have colleagues to review the watch while I review the phone or anything like that. <laughs> and I really honestly believe that the AirPods deserve their full review. They don't deserve to be like a, a little section of an iPhone review because they're, they're that and interesting. I had a friend yesterday ask, um, whether I think Apple would ever do a wearable computer smaller than, a, than a watch. And I said, I think they already did. Yeah. Like, I think that the AirPods legitimately qualify as a wearable computer well here are a couple of other things that um you know just cool things you have the the airpods in your ears you you take one out and your music will pause automatically yep you put them back in and the music will begin uh playing again automatically and you can do that with either one because as you mentioned earlier they're both uh equally as smart um you can double tap on, on it and it'll activate Siri on your phone. Double tap if you're listening from your watch and it'll play pause the music. Um, so here's something I did the other day, quite by accident. I didn't mean to do this. I had music playing up on a playlist from my watch. I walked over and pressed Siri on my phone. The headphones connected to the phone and was waiting for me to to give my question. So I asked the question. It uh, it gave me the answer, and then I left everything. I didn't touch a thing, and in five seconds, it reverted back to the watch and started playing my song again. Huh. That's pretty cool. Now that is very cool. It's switching among devices, you know, on the yep. fly. Yep. So and, I thought that was great. Uh, I, you know, I think, and I don't know how much of this is software. I don't know how much of it is microphones. I don't know how much of it is the cloud back end. But uh, Siri voice dictation, just does Siri understand the words that you're saying to Siri, is better than ever. And so today I was I picked up my son from school. And it was a beautiful day. So we walked. Uh, and I was a little bit late. And I was listening to podcasts. And so I double tap my AirPod. Never took the phone out of my pocket. Double tap. I got the, the little uh, doot-doot. And I said, uh, text Jonas, I'm running a few minutes behind, probably five minutes late, period. And I waited, and it was just the right amount of time to make sure I was done talking. And then Siri said, okay, John, here's the text, here's the message I'm going to send. And and she read the whole thing. She got every single word of it exactly right, uh, word for word. And uh, And then she was like, what should I do? And I, th- I think that's what she did. And it was like, I got the doot doot and I said, send it. And then she said, okay, sent. And then it, like you said, a, a beat or two later, the podcast just started playing again. Yep. Uh, 
that is cool. And again, I know people have complaints about Siri dictation or whatever, but this is on a major city thoroughfare here in Philadelphia. And it wasn't quiet. I mean, this is, you know, it was, you know, pretty big street with lots of traffic. Uh, and I couldn't have, couldn't have been a better experience. And it, you know, here it's summer. I've, it feels like summer at least. And I've got shorts on. It wouldn't be that hard, but that would be so much better in the winter when I don't want to take my phone out, if I've got gloves on or something like that, or, or if I just want to take the glove off enough just so that the, I, I, that's curious. I have to test that whether double tap on the, with, on the headphones works with gloves. I don't know, but anyway, great product. Um, uh, only have a few minutes left before we got to wrap, but, um, Anything else on AirPods? You want to just talk about Apple Watch Series Two? Yeah, Apple Watch Series Two. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I really feel like my Apple Watch Two Series Two review. I feel like I really expressed my feelings on it as well as I can express on anything else. That it's they've Apple. This is my take in the nut. Apple really got a, had a had a loose handle on what the watch should be two years ago originally. Um, in the intervening two years, figured out what it is good for and what people want to buy it for, focused on those things. They made the parts that are good better, fitness tracking, uh, and they made the parts that were problems. They really fixed in order the top problems on the phone. Or not the phone, that watch. And it's I, I, it's just a very, very impressive second generation device in terms of how much of the low hang, you know, the problems they fixed and how much better they made the features that people really are using. I, I couldn't agree. I mean, that sums it up. Couldn't agree more. It, it, uh, for me, it, it actually, it, it allowed me some freedom. And when, uh, if you've ever left home without your phone, you know, uh, when you realize it, you think, Oh my God. You know, no phone. But when you leave home without your phone on purpose, you have a, a kind of a, a freedom, you know? But I never leave home without my phone. Now I do. With my watch, with the GPS, I have my AirPods. I put those in. I have a playlist on my watch. I press play. It shuffles through all the songs that I've loved. And I just, I walk and it's so good, you know, to have that 30 minutes or 35 minutes away from, from everything. And the GPS still captures all the data that I want about my walk. I can, as soon as I walk in the door, it syncs to my phone and I can look on my phone, which I did the other day. I I walked in, grabbed my phone, sat down and you know, pulled it up and all the information was already there on my phone. Mm. And I just looked, it's wonderful. It's great. Uh, I do think too, that people are underestimating because the, 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 the watch. in addition to those things we said about the watch, I mean, it, it is clearly growing independent, right? Yes. You know, this is second generation, but the GPS is a very nice bit of independence. Uh, it is obviously going to be eventually be an independent device. It's going to have its own networking, and it's going to do a lot of stuff without a phone tethered to it. Um, that world where the phone or the watch is it like an independent personal computer needs wireless headphones. There's never going to be there. Never is or never would have been a headphone jack on it on an Apple Watch. Yep. Right. No. So I. I, I yeah. No way. 
you know, I, I think part of the backwards looking aspect of the people who are so uh, uh, angry about this headphone jack being removed is that, uh, you know, you can argue about, you, you can argue about whether the phone is big enough to have a headphone jack, but, but every device smaller than that is too small. Yeah, it's just stuff like that is just not going to happen. But no. that's why I don't think that this uh, whole wireless thing is a money grab. I think that it's more than that. Hmm. I do too. Uh, Jim, I thank you for your time. I think that's just about it. I think it's a good quick take. Got to leave stuff for subsequent episodes. <laughs> subsequent episodes. Um, everybody can find all the Dalrymple they want at, at your website, Loop the Loop. It's uh, loopinsight.com is the address. Uh you podcast what's your boy what do you got for podcasts uh the dalrymple report it's linked right off the loops uh homepage. yeah good podcast um and on on twitter you are uh jay dalrymple yeah right well i thank you for the time it was good seeing you last week really good thank seeing you. you yeah it, it, yeah it's always great to to be able to sit down have a a, a beer or a cup of coffee and you know yeah. catch up on on everything that's happened all right, and my thanks to our sponsors today, audible.com. That's where you go to get uh, audiobooks and audio shows. Casper, where you get a new mattress for you or your dog. Uh, and last but not least, Global Delight, whose Mac app, Cap2, is absolutely a great screen capture utility and editing utility after you capture the video.